Welcome back to the regular exclusive podcast with Jason Renee, as always. And um, we are talking about what a wonderful movie today. Bo is afraid. But before we get there, damn it, <laughs> we're almost there. It's OK. Only a few more minutes. But before we get there, we're going to talk about a different three hour long movie that is nominated for the Academy Awards. It's nominated for nine. And we're talking, I, I just want to talk real briefly about Killers of the Flower Moon. Summed up, I thought it was good, but I think essentially all this movie boils down to is whether or not you like Scorsese movies. That would make sense. Why I don't, it's not about the, like the story that it's about. It's more about the Scorsese of it, which is just like bloated at this point. I know he's great, but like, it just, I got to really care about the subject to be interested now. Like Scorsese's reputation is kind of his, it's a double edged sword. It's his best and worst thing. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, this is about, you know, the, the horrible thing that happened to the Osage people in Oklahoma. And this movie though, is still very much a gangster movie. So it's like, you got the whole Scorsese thing of, of the gangster movie and the people are gangster white people. Really? Oh my God. What a shocker. <laughs> That's like every one of his movies. So yeah, they're doing terrible things. And if like you want to watch a movie, that's really going to make you mad. This movie is very effective at it. Like, mm. It's not just like, oh, these are bad people. It's like, this is awful what what they're doing. It's I mean, it feels that way with Bo is afraid a little bit as you're talking about him. Like, it's pretty. I mean, I know it's not the same because that's also not real. But like in that movie, he really yes. gets a lot of shit and everyone's just the worst. So they're... maybe they are kind of a little peas in a pot. I, I'm not going to go that far, but, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it's not so horrible. Well, it's like it's not bad, but if like. You know, my wife, she doesn't really like Scorsese. So, like, I don't think she would like this movie at all. She cares about what happened to the people. But, like, just Scorsese style, just not for her. Um, and that's I, really just not a popular take these days. I keep saying it, too. And I just feel like <laughs> everybody out there is screaming the opposite about how he's the best. And it's just like, are we going to nominate this guy for everything he does ever? I think, like, we know how great he is. Are we sure he's still going to be putting out stuff that's, like, as high quality as what he used to? Like, not well, saying he should retire, but, like, you know what I mean? Does he need nine Oscar noms every time? Give it to somebody else. Well, here's what I'll say. Uh, this was the first movie since Wolf of Wall Street that I actually had any interest of seeing of his. Hmm. That was 2013. Like, I didn't see The Irishman. Wow, uh, I thought The Wolf of Wall Street was 2017. Man, he really has been a, like, fucking doing shit since then <laughs> like he did wow. hugo he did the irishman he's done oh like don't get me <laughs> fucking started on the irishman i hate that goddamn movie so much but i i will say that if you are a if you are a, a big scorsese fan this movie does have a an interesting flavor for compared to a lot of scorsese movies in that a lot of like his gangster movies and stuff like it's gangsters fighting gangsters. You don't really like see a victim of the crimes that are happening. Mm -hmm. And this one, it's very, very prominent. So like there is like a sensitivity that's unique that I that I did like. And also Lily Gladstone is wonderful in this. She plays a very like stoic character. And so when she has these like 
outbreaks of emotion like they really come at you mm-hmm. but like she does a great job of like being stoic silent and like acting with her eyes and she was she was wonderful little surprised that robert de niro got the nom instead of leonardo dicaprio i mean honestly i heard from other people that like they were like leo did nothing for me in this movie he literally was just so like ugh. and it's so weird after once upon a time in hollywood i fucking loved him in every frame of that movie he was so good at like i i was just like this is what you're doing and i thought you know i would hear more praise about his performance at least if it was a good leo performance that might have persuaded me I, but no I, it yeah, sounds I, like it's a pretty vanilla one yeah i mean leo sets the bar very high for himself so mm-hmm. totally it's he's doing it's his more... fault still though because he's <laughs> yeah. now disappointing he's not as good as he used to be no no i'm kidding just put I him thought... in another in tarantino's last movie then i'll be happy there you go. i thought he did better than robert de niro robert de niro is good but really brendan frazier has a heat check of performance in the last oh, yeah. 40 minutes i <laughs> like, forgot that he, he comes, comes out the strong <laughs> cool okay that would be maybe i'll just watch the last 40 minutes that honestly sounds like the way to do it <laughs> That's how I mean, on it, I would not have even watched 40 minutes of the Irishman if I had my choice. But <laughs> anyways, uh, it's funny that you actually wanted or that you talk about Martin Scorsese as much as I would. Ne- that doesn't sound like something that I would say. It's so funny that you brought him up. <laughs> but since we're talking about Ari Aster today and Bo is Afraid, I thought it was interesting that Martin Scorsese said that Midsommar and Bo is Afraid inspired Killers of the Flower Moon. And I was like, he did really okay yeah yeah he's like so they did like a whole like panel for a screening of the film Bo is Afraid like when it came out and it was like there's a whole video interview from GQ um I'll send you the link of like those two guys talking and like Martin Scorsese he literally compares Ari Aster just like Stanley Kubrick he's like he's he's as good as Kubrick like wow crazy and and then Ari Aster's like I can't believe you're saying this to me like you're my favorite (laughs) I'm gonna cry um but he said that And I was like, so wait, how did those movies inspire him, right? And he said it was the pacing and the length. And I'm like, damn it, Ari Aster, you had to give him the fucking slow pace and the extra long time. I mean, it's okay for me if Ari Aster does it because Bo is afraid is is a lot of things, but it is not boring as it be at times. It is still super weird and like interesting at all times, you know? So I just thought, like, that's the worst advice you could like, give Scorsese. That's not the note he needs. He needs keep it snappy, buddy. <laughs> but he it's... said that there was, like, parts in, in this movie, especially with, like, the Osage culture, that yeah. he said would normally have been, like, exercised or whatever. Not like it's a demon, but, like, exercised from the script when they mm-hmm. were like, moving into production because he said that, like, that's one of the things, like, oh, does this part move the, move, like, the plot yeah. forward? Then get rid of it. But he was like... You know, especially Bo is afraid. He was like, this guy takes all these risks and really stays in shit that no one would stay in. Right. Wow. And he said that it kind of want he wanted to have a similar horror kind of creeping, really slow build up tone in Killers of the Flower Moon, similar to Midsommar. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see it, you know, like Midsommar. Yeah, it's like this slow build up and also like this very like showing this other culture and like mm-hmm. being very in depth about it. I can see that. It's funny that he was inspired by the pacing because comparing this and Bo is Afraid especially, they don't have any relation pacing-wise. Bo is Afraid does not stop. It just keeps going, gets crazy. The pacing of Killer of the Flower Moon is the hard part. Like, you really have to commit to it. Like, 
they could have made this a two and a half hour long movie. And yeah. e that that's even like not cutting out any of the Osage tribe stuff. Like there is a bunch of other stuff. That they White people shit they probably could have done. Oh, well, it's fucking Robert De Niro. We can't cut him down. He's only 90. Does he need to be <laughs> acting in anything else? I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm really discriminating against old actors, but like, <laughs> Just get out of here with all your 18,000 nominations. I just thought I'd anyways. Yeah, I will never see this movie. Probably if anything, I'll watch parts. But I just thought it was it would be great to end this segment with literally the quote from Martin Scorsese. He praised Ari Aster as one of the most extraordinary new voices in cinema. And I, I have to say that might be the one thing I really agree with Scorsese about. I and agree. Right. I, I agree. Let's let's switch over and talk about. Uh, Bo is afraid. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. Hi, Carrot. It's Mom. I'm just calling to say that I'm so, so, so excited to see you tomorrow. You're my angel, and I love you. Okay. I love you. Okay, bye, sweetie. I love you. Are you at the airport? I'm on my way. I just... It's not safe, is it? What do you think I should do? I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. All right. Ari Aster's third movie in his... It's going to be like a Hall of Fame filmography. It already is. <laughs> like... Top three is incredible. The first three. You'd think starting off the gate with Hereditary, you're like shooting yourself in the foot. Like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. And then he just keeps following them up with fucking bangers. I know that this is the most controversial, but I find that the best art is what sparks debate and controversy. So that's not just for the sake of it, but I do feel like that's good art if it makes people have a discussion in any form about it, let alone like being passionate enough to fight. Yeah, very well said. This Thank movie you. is. It's funny. It got a ton of controversy. Like there's people that are like this Ari Aster is 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 done. He only had two great movies. And then I don't know what this is. And then when I watched it, I was like, this movie's beautiful. Even though there's fucked up shit in it, I do feel like every scene is just masterfully like framed perfectly. I love the camera moves. They're still just but there's just so much life and, and like so much intensity that I feel like the visual style is a real important thing of like what conveys a lot of the anxiety. I feel like, I mean, it's the whole aesthetic, but the visuals are like unrelenting. The, totally. And this reminded me a lot. Like we've talked about a couple of movies that have like people that started making music videos and mm -hmm. visual storytelling. And this felt like a three hour long music video. Like, yeah. Totally, there's, you're there's right. There's just like a total like soundtrack that could be behind it, like a prog rock album that's yeah. just like going with it the whole time. Fuck yeah. That honestly, that sounds great. I'm all about <laughs> it. I do feel like there's something kind of like this interesting quality too with the sound. And like there's a lot of water imagery and water sounds and like water. I mean, literally their last name is like Wasserman, right? And it's yeah. like they live in like Wasserton. And it's like everything's about fucking water. So I do feel like <laughs> that also gives it this kind of like weird, like, I don't know, just something about the music. You're so right. I, I feel like this movie is going to get a following in the years to come. Like totally. It'll be a cult classic. It'll one be day. one of those things that people are just like, why did people hate this so much when it first came out? And it's like, I don't know, maybe people are idiots, maybe because people are expecting it to be exactly like Midsummer and hereditary. And, 
I love that Ari Aster is a guy who's like, no, I'm not going to do one thing. I'm going to do anything I want to and do 100%. it well. <laughs> Honestly, like the perfect trifecta right now, I feel like, especially with horror is like, I've Ari Aster, who's like just my number one, but Jordan Peele and then Robert Eggers. Those mm -hmm. three have all done three movies now and they've all been really unique and different from each other. However, it's like they're honing the skills that they already had and coming up with new and exciting ways to present new narrative stories. And I'm pretty sure that like Bo is Afraid is like the movie that Ari Aster wanted to make the whole time. So I really mm -hmm. love that he's been working on it for a long time, but I do feel like each one of them had a third movie that people were like pretty split on, right? These three directors. I feel like mm -hmm. The Northman wasn't as well received as like The Lighthouse or The Witch. Same with Ari Aster, but I was afraid. And then for Jordan Peele, people are really split on Nope. And I yeah. feel like that'll be one that people eventually realize is incredible, but like fucking took you long enough. But <laughs> yeah. still... I do feel like Bo is Afraid fits that same theme where like these guys are just so good up front that mm. like people don't necessarily want them to do something different. It's like they want them to do the same, but more of it. And I feel like, why wouldn't we want them to explore new things? I'm obsessed with whatever the fuck Ari Aster is dealing with in this movie, but I love it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I just am so obsessed with everything he's doing. It's really unique and original. It really is. And so, I mean, a quick look at like the box office. This movie was a huge flop. Um, and it's pretty wild. So his first two movies, Hereditary, Midsummer. Hereditary is like almost universally beloved. It's like people think it's one of the all-time greatest horror movies ever made. Midsummer got ha, is a little bit more split, but I feel like most people really love Midsummer. Um, mm -hmm. and both of them did very well at the box office. Bo's Afraid is easily his most expensive movie, $35,000 and only 35,000. Sorry, 35, mil 35 million. <laughs> I was million like, wow, sorry. that was his biggest budget. What the fuck is going on with this guy? Okay. That makes more sense. 35 million. <laughs> 35 How much of that was Joaquin's budget? I don't know. It's probably a good amount. I mean, this is right after he won the Oscar. So I know, and I'm like, God, you, you remember how skinny he was in Joker? And yeah, seeing him in this, it's like the gut. I mean, I wonder if it's all if that's fake, but like it feels like it's not. This guy's just a yo yo. I'm sorry, uh, I'm watching a lot of curb. There's a whole thing about the yo yo. She's yo yo, <laughs> going up, going down. I don't know. And I feel like that's exactly like this. It's like he was so thin, and like I wanted him to eat, and now it's like, wow, how fast did he like change? He's like trying to give Christian Bale a run for his money yeah, on and body he, transformation. Christian Bale's like, you know, giving that up mostly. I mean, I know he kind of went all out for the Thor movie, but like, I feel like he was just kind of not as skinny as he could have been or maybe when he was younger. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, walking Phoenix is like in his 50s. I'm like, dude, I don't know if that's good for you because now he's <laughs> yeah. Joker too. So now he's going back down. It just seems like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but it, either way he's like it's it's a, he's a chameleon is all i mean is that like he he's is. so different in both in all of these movies it's kind of hard for me to believe it's uh two different people <laughs> yeah well, i mean this would be a i mean one person playing two characters sorry that was dumb <laughs> this would be this would be a very scary movie to method act in because mm. the entire act is your you have anxiety of everything every anxiety known to man you have it all and to to an exaggerated degree. It's wild. I mean, what's great about this movie is that, like, it's not even necessarily that his anxiety is, like, or this this movie is, like, anxiety to the millionth degree. It's more like 
this is literally like how we all and I say we all not everyone but like people with anxiety because I can speak to that uh this is like how we live all the time that's like the inside of our minds basically mm -hmm. I feel like especially I know we'll kind of get into the plot but I do feel like this movie really represents what it's like to feel anxiety and this movie is almost like a a reverse wish fulfillment of like what if everything that you're you had anxiety about came true and was real like and happened mm -hmm. right and it's like always worst case scenario and you always stress about that shit with anxiety but like the odds of all those things happening let alone a few of them they never really do so i feel like this movie is definitely like almost like yeah like let me do therapy and get that out of my system to like feel all that shit yeah and th so this is one of the reasons that I really loved this movie is so, as you said, like you have anxiety and you related with this movie. I'm not going to say I have no anxiety because I don't I'm not a sociopath, but I have very mild light anxiety. And th I love this movie because I thought this was one of the more insightful movies that I've seen in a while, like. I feel like I I learned something. I saw a perspective that I don't have, and I learned from that. So I wanted to ask you, like, what was it like for you the first time you saw this movie? Like, it was like pretty nuts. Like, I feel like <laughs> after the first act, because I know we'll talk about more of like what that for, because there's four kind of acts of this movie. Yeah. Like, it's literally like there's breaks, like the camera cuts the black between. So yeah. um, after the first part, which is like the city and like his where he's living in his current life, uh, I feel like that whole sequence was just so well done and so absurd. And like from then on, I was just like, I'm all in because it felt like struggling with anxiety like that might seem like nothing to somebody just like going across the street to go get a bottle of water at the store and then coming back to your fucking apartment. But like I used to live in the city and I totally had the anxiety of doing the exact same thing all the fucking time. I would sit there and like picture every goddamn scenario in my head a million times before I would yeah. actually do it. And then it was like no big deal once I did. But like you just kind of build it up in your head. And so mm -hmm. seeing this was like literally someone went into my brain and like is putting it on the screen of like something that I've like dealt with and thought about. And I was like, Oh my God, I thought it was just me. <laughs> yeah. So it was like also very cool. Cause I was like, how do you figure out how to put anxiety into like a visual? Cause it's yeah. a very hard thing to portray, but yeah. the way that RES does it is perfect. Like it, yeah. even if you don't have anxiety, it, it puts you in that headspace, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, granted, obviously I already have it. So I don't know. It almost, it felt like a little bit of a release. For me, I feel like maybe was it the opposite for you? Did you feel more anxious watching the movie? No, I didn't. I I felt the anxiousness, but I, I felt it in a way that like it was supposed to be felt like I feel like I watched this movie and it was almost like a, a lesson in anxiety, mm -hmm. like especially that first part. And yeah, we'll get to that. But like like the way that they portray this, like it's not a it's not ever portrayed like this is the real world. Like this is reality. Like it's portrayed to such an exaggeration that like mm -hmm. you're supposed to understand that this is, this is intentional to, to prove a point or to, to make a point. Yes. And it, it totally made that point with me. And I don't know. It was funny. Like I've heard some of the complaints of this movie, like uh, what this isn't how life really is. Or like yeah. this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
it's so crazy that I can live in a world where I love movies like this and I love movies like John Wick and they're both equally unrealistic, but one of them people love and the other one say they knock it down for the same reason. Like, this isn't realistic. No, it's also not realistic. Suits, bulletproof suits. (laughs) Yeah. None of John Wick is realistic, okay? God, it's like fucking, that's a great point, Jace. Thank you. Not many men would be proud to say what you just said, but you like, are so correct. Honestly, it's just selective outrage. People decide yeah. what it's okay to be annoyed with. I mean, literally the shit that people are commenting on with the new season of True, True Detective is like, you could have said the shit, same shit about season one, but they're just mm-hmm. like picking it out because they're like, I don't like yeah. it's different. I think it's just people just having... They they maybe they're scared because I do feel like critical thinking is not as popular as it used to be. And especially with like now that everybody can be a fucking film critic. Right. It's yeah. not just like the the actual film critics like yeah. everyone can post their opinion online. Letterboxd. Hello. So it does <laughs> feel like people can just say what they want about everything. It's more vocal now. But again, yeah. I just think people don't understand it. So they hate it. They're like, I, that's that's upsetting because I can't understand it. it should be more easy to understand. Yeah. And just so everyone understands what I'm saying, I am not shitting on John Wick. I am a very blessed person because I was able to love John Wick 4 and Bo is Afraid almost within like the same two months because they came out right next to each other. And I love both of them. I'm just saying if you judge one for the other and not the other one, then that's on you. You're dumb. But (laughs) that's true. And actually, now that you just said that, that reminded me that uh, the first like I watched this movie before you did. And then like like literally the minute it was on VOD, I bought it and watched it and was like, this is my favorite Ari Aster movie now. And you're like, what? You are hound you are hounding me. You're like, Jace, watch like, this. You, you need to, to watch, watch this now. It's it's like a fucking masterpiece. And then when you watched it, I was literally like getting on a plane to fly to Seattle. Yeah. And I was like, hey getting on the plane but you were like texting me and i was like oh my god shit timings like you're just now watching it and you're like texting me your thoughts and i was like oh he's making some good points (laughs) but then you're like that's okay when you land you'll have a billion messages and i did i screenshotted (laughs) them and i still have them the greatest part is that they all came out of order because like (laughs) there's like a million of them and i was like either he's like watching the movie in an insane (laughs) way or his texts are not correctly sending me but like (laughs) They, they were pretty good. There was just a lot of there's I, I would say WTF or what the fuck yep. multiple times. Um, <laughs> and then also like the first one I got was, oh, is this like victim blaming people with anxiety for getting in their <laughs> own way? And I was like, what? What do you think? And then you oh, OK. And then you're like, this should be called the Odyssey of Anxiety. And I was like, I mean. It is very similar to like a Greek epic in that way where it, it feels, I mean, literally Ari Aster described this movie as Lord of the Rings, but a Jewish man. And he's just going back to his mom's house. And I was like, I love that. That's like <laughs> such a basic like description, but it really is like yeah. the Jewish man's Lord of the Rings. I really love that. It's all about the mom and the guilt and all this shit, but I just your texts were so funny and they all came out of order like you were screaming about the penis monster. And then like then you were talking about the play and I was like, what are you watching? <laughs> what is going on here? And then as soon as my favorite this is all I'll end it on this one was that you said, I need a cigarette after that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> uh, when yeah, when you said you were getting on a plane, I'm just like, uh, I am going to text her every thought so that her phone just explodes as soon as she turns it off airplane mode. I was like trying to text someone. I'm like, damn it! It's like ding 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 ding. I'm like shit! I was trying to text him, say, hey, come get me, pick me up. I'm here. <laughs> so uh, good though. But yeah, I'm I'm just like this movie was a real viewing experience. I know it's not for everyone, but like. I would love to watch this with a group of friends and just like, what the fuck would it be like for a party vibe, right? I mean, yeah. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I, because yeah, you're right. This movie is so funny and it's also so dark and so real. Like, it really, it's like, it gets thrown around a, around a lot. It's a roller coaster of emotions when you watch this. Yeah, so, there's parts that hit intense and then others that are just like hilarious, but. I guess it's been described as a comedy horror, horror comedy, but I do feel like it's very light on horror, but horror, excuse me, abstract horror. I would say it's like a unique form of horror. Yeah. Like, don't go into this with expectations of a genre. Just like, like Midsommar or Hereditary. It's not in any way like those. The craft is there that's similar, yeah. but like that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're someone who just loves watching movies for like the technical pieces of it, this is a masterpiece. Literally. Like, That's like, why Scorsese said he's like Kubrick, because it's like literally everything is just perfectly done. People loved everything everywhere all at once because like that movie was a big part, you know, was ADHD and like experiencing that. This is the everything everywhere all at once for anxiety. Oh, Fucking A, dude. Make a clip. That is the, that's how you sell this movie. It is the everything everywhere all at once for anxiety. Maybe people with things maybe people are just aren't that excited about that, you know? Yeah. With anxiety. I know it's a tough sell, but it's a good movie. And it is just as wonderfully weird as everything everywhere. Maybe yes. a little bit more like Swiss Army Man, but still. Yes. <laughs> Definitely in the Daniels wheelhouse if you like yeah. their movies. And it's reasons like for these movies, why we love A24 and hope that they don't get weird when they start doing action IP movies, but whatever. Let's switch to actually going through this movie because one of the things that I thought about as I was watching, I was like, when we talked about um, Hateful Eight, we did the extended four episode, or was it four, four, three or four episode version of that movie? And as I watched, I was like, this is the perfect movie to do something like that where you make it episodic. Because mm -hmm. there's four very clear chapters. In Agreed. This. It could so be like a fucking like mini mini series on Netflix with like four an extended edition. Even you could make it four hours, so each one's an hour. Oh yeah, if they yeah yeah if they did like uh yeah if they did like a four hour extended Blu-ray version like yeah this Give me is more. the way to do it. I would watch yeah I'd watch that in a second. So the first chapter we'll call it the city. <laughs> All right, so the city chapter. This might sound uh, exaggerated, but this whole movie is exaggerated. I think the this first chapter is is perfect. I it don't. Is. I don't think I would change a thing about it. It is. I. Th I think maybe the most effective uh, first like forty minutes of a movie that's ever mm -hmm. been made. 
Like, I agree. I, I am hooked after like after the first 15 minutes, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah. After just... he's in the therapy, I mean, even when he's in the therapist's office, like he's already getting me with certain things that he says, like, I swallowed some mouthwash on Thursday. So like I was, you know, <laughs> yeah. worried all weekend looking up like what happens if you swallow it? Can you die? And he's like, I don't think, you know, the therapist is like, I don't think it would out. You're OK if it's like one time. And he goes, well, but it also happened the week before that. And it's like, <laughs> I think you're OK. But it's like I just I was already like, yeah, you're in my mind. But once he like leaves the the therapist's office, yeah. it's like that's when it kicks into high gear. And until the the blackout because each section is punctuated by Bo losing consciousness yeah. at some point. So <laughs> like the first one starts with him be or I guess it, the movie technically starts with him. You're in the womb with him being birthed through the mom's vagina and she's already screaming like such a bitch. I was like, God, if this kid knew already, I'd be like, put me back in there. I don't want to come out. D did not see the POV birthing scene to be upsetting. the opening of a movie. <laughs> that was the most upsetting thing I've ever seen in a movie. And I've seen I've seen Ari Aster's uh, student <laughs> film, the, the Strange Thing About the Johnsons. If you know what that's about, yep. if you know, you know. We don't need but to talk about that. This is more viscerally alarming to me was the, the feeling. And it did feel like you're claustrophobic. It was just, I mean, already you're like, okay, so he's just putting me in this guy's mind, literally, and in his body like the whole movie yeah and, it, and, and it, it's it's crazy <laughs> and it and like when i watched it the first time i was like okay so it's like is this kind of supposed to insinuate like anxiety anxiety is something that people you know some people are born with mm. and like it starts when you're born and like you kind of get that idea because the mom's screaming she's free so it's like he's born into this chaotic thing yeah <laughs> And it's like, like, I mean, honestly, the more you reveal about his mother, the more you're like, OK, yeah, I would I would be <laughs> way anxious all the time, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's an interesting thing that like I feel like the movie definitely plays with this. Like, you know, do you get it from external factors in your life or is it something hereditary? I think it's Na like a little bit of both, honestly. Yeah. Nature so, versus nurture. Yeah, I think obviously in the mother's case, you know, there's probably something in the genes already. But I would yeah. say also you know, it's probably a lot of behavioral based. Yeah. It's like, the overbearing mother would naturally make an anxious boy. Yeah. Well, and it's like if if something like depression is passed down, you know, mm -hmm. some exactly there there could be severe for, forms of anxiety that's also passed down. And I also, hear it. I, think, <laughs> I, know. I think I think it's the most important thing when people watch this movie to understand that the whole movie is exaggerated. Yeah. And so like, it's not making these blanket statements. It's, it's exaggerating to just, yeah, make a point. And be like, interesting and spark debate about it because there's no like definitive reading of everything in this movie. Ari Aster's not like, here, let me tell you everything that goes on here. He's yeah. like, told you stuff, but like, literally that's, what's great about the movie is that, like you said, it's not just one stance on things. There's a lot of interesting ideas that are like, being that they, they come naturally in your mind when you watch this and i feel like the whole thing about the beginning is like the idea that like people especially just as someone with anxiety people always tell you just relax just calm down and it's like you know this movie i feel like should really show that like yeah obviously the action whatever's happening and like all this shit that joaquin phoenix is going through especially in the first 30 minutes is so exaggerated like it's 
this city life that's like a thousand times worse than any city you've ever seen. It's worse than Gotham. Like this yeah. place like five Batmans if there were. Yeah. Um, but like that- it's it's so exaggerated to make a point that like literally that's how crippling like anxiety yeah. is. Like you might as well be living there. It's like the same thing in your mind, right? Yeah, Batman could not save this city. The Justice no. League could not save the city. And back in the day, ex- this exagger- this level of exaggeration is called hyperbole. And it's yeah. very intentional. And this movie I... does it. <laughs> <laughs> I think people just don't understand satire and like also just like a higher form of like commentary that's not super obvious. I do feel like not that I want to sound all high and mighty or whatever, like hoity-toity, yeah. you know, but I do feel that like if it's challenging to understand that's usually where people want to say I hate it and it's stupid because mm-hmm. I didn't get it. But it's like, like I know a lot of people that said that about Nope and then they saw it again and were like, oh, my mind is totally changed, right? So sometimes these things just, they're they're doing some cool things in this movie that you're not going to get the first time you watch it. I think maybe that a lot of people just one and done. They see a movie and they're like, okay. But this yeah. one's like, you. this would be like multiple viewings required, I feel. Yeah. And this is also a movie that very much so like what it can totally be affected by what's going on in your own personal life. You know, totally. Oh, yeah. That plays a huge part in it, I would say. It's it's I mean, if you watched you, I don't think you've seen it, but Uncut Gems is probably the closest movie in tone that I could compare this to. That movie's not about anxiety, but it feels like it is because I mean, besides Bo is Afraid really just takes that and runs with it. But I would say like before Bo is Afraid, that was the only movie and like mother those two are the only ones that made me feel anxiety mm-hmm. and like the way that they made the movie right it just yeah. everything was like the perfect mix to like oh i'm i have anxiety i mean i already have it all the time but like i'm recognizing the addition of new anxiety <laughs> yeah. the thing you know like oh hey this is familiar yeah. so it's just it's cool but it's it's different i get that yeah. for everyone you're right yeah so this city that he lives in it just it to- like it totally built in my mind this this nightmare it illustrated this nightmare that like living anxiety is like mm-hmm. this is the worst place on earth like people he's walking down the street people are fighting someone's trying to commit su- you know thinking about committing suicide and jumping off a building and people are like we're trying to see if we can get him to jump and it's like what is this place <laughs> it's like exactly it's so absurd that like it's also I, for me a lot of it is funny but it's like literally like you see like a thing where he like opens the door and he just runs his, or he's like he's literally coming down the street running as fast as he can and this guy's just running chasing him and it's like it's just at every moment that he's outside he's got to run because then it's like i mean even even if they're not like vicious or attacking him there's that like one homeless guy that's like help me help me help me help me help me (laughs) the whole way in i'm just like it's just such everything's happening all at once and you're like ah ah, sorry yeah i just want to say that um (laughs) but you know what i mean it's like it just feels like the chaos Mm-hmm. of the city is like everything every rumor you've ever heard about city life turned up to like 11 you yeah know? because that's what anxiety is is that you might know logically that none of this shit is gonna happen to you but it's like you picture this shit anyways and you feel when you're going about a daily task that it feels as anxiety like ridden as like Bo when he's running up or like looking across the street and everyone's like fucking breaking into the building because he left the door open <laughs> yeah it's like so good it's just it's a very much like a weird wish fulfillment where it feels good to see your worst fears and anxieties like 
come through to this one poor man. Yeah. I don't well, know. It, it, no, like, it, that's totally right. And like, especially like it shows the how how like uh how like the news like the way they talk about these things like they talk about it like it's it's gonna destroy everything in existence and so now it's like you have this you know hyped up news reel combined with someone with severe anxiety and they really like mesh it together yeah that's a great point very very fucking in tune with today you know especially yeah. with like as we're going into yet another fucking election i do feel like this is just going to be more relevant that way but you're totally right about that that's yeah. funny <laughs> and then also like he has it's not even like just the city it's like he gets in his apartment and then there's just people screaming outside all the time at all time I, and i love the whole like his neighbor sliding notes and like turn the music down and yeah like getting so mad and you're like the, what the fuck it's great it's like great okay so anxiety of confrontation okay so mm -hmm. let's let's do this what's interesting too is i saw somebody point out online that like whenever his when whenever uh he's like dealing with his mom or something or talking about her it's like you can feel that like the anxious things like you can feel the anxiety starting by like when he's on the phone with her and like has at the very beginning when he's in his apartment and he's mm -hmm. like, my keys got stolen and all this stuff. And then she's like, all you know, fine, fuck you, whatever. He is very much like as soon as that starts happening, it's like he gets quieter and you can hear the noise and the, the craziness in the city like increase. So you're like, yeah. it gets more crazy the more his anxiety is spiking, which is just just beautiful. As yeah. fucked up as that is, it's just a really nice it's really nice to see. Well, <laughs> somebody also, gets it. <laughs> totally. And and also like speaking of the mom and like that phone call, I think it also applies with a couple other characters throughout the movie, but it reminded me so much of Willem Dafoe in American Psycho and how they filmed Willem Dafoe's scenes three times where the first time they're like you uh -huh, know yeah. he's the killer. The second time you suspect he's the killer. And the third time you don't think he's the killer. And then they interweaved those yep. in I the love editing. when they do that in, like, in movies. It, That's a great it, technique. It felt like that in this where like as his anxiety goes up, the more it shifts to they they know that they're it, not he did it, but like they're turning on him. Yes, like, exactly. In that phone call, the pauses are so long. Mm -hmm. That like you're just like she is she still there like, like you're it's such it's such anxiety inducing it's not even my own mother and I think it's because everyone can relate to the stress of having a mother but this is like Ari Aster said he wanted to make Mona the worst most extreme version of like the bad mom that you would like mm -hmm. like literally Mrs Bates you know from like back in the day yeah. like psycho like she fucked up her son in a similar way I would say is not a serial killer but he's just as fucked <laughs> you know and yeah. he's definitely like it's also interesting because i feel like especially at the beginning like there's a lot of things that like don't have to do with her but they still just are so great like the, the whole thing with the when he takes the pill and like the doctor makes a big point about don't ever take it without water and yeah. then like the water just happens to be turned off in the yeah pill. and it's so good because he's like Google's like what happens like you know side effects if you take it and the first thing is like a memorial page of a guy who died because he didn't have water with it and it was <laughs> like oh god 
it's just so great. And then that's like where we get the whole chaos of then he's like running across the street. And it's just it's such a wonderful sequence. But like it's those little things that like I will panic over too for like to no end that it's like I'm sure that it's not a big deal. But because the doctor mentioned it, you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to die if I don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like panicking. And so it- like then it's like everything is taken to extreme. That's why everyone starts acting even crazier as soon as he goes outside. Yeah. Well, it's like it goes back to the whole mouthwash thing where he's like, I took mouthwash. I swallowed. He's like, I'm sure yeah. it's not one time. But then like now this only take with water. And I love that it's printed on the bottle. Like it's all extreme. Like, yeah. And like I've heard the way um, someone's described like anxiety to me is like it's like being Batman and like preparing for every horrible thing to happen. Like you're, that you're makes th- me feel like a hero then. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're thinking of every horrible po- you know po- possibility in this movie. Like all those possibilities happen. So like that sweet sequence for me is maybe like my favorite sequence in the entire movie is like him taking the pill, realizing he didn't take it with water, reading the bottle, then Googling symptoms. Like, so good. It's and, so funny, but it's also like you're stressed out with him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then like he runs across the street, props the door open, and then like the the cashier's like, it's 167. And he's yeah. Like, and then he sees the the apartment people going in and just flooding the apartment thousands of people just walking into the building it's so good and he's just like oh god and then the guy's like 30 more cents i'm gonna call the cops it's like it's it's just so over dramatized obviously but like that's what's wonderful about it you know uh, it's that it's, it's such a it's such a ridiculous representation it's very similar to horror movies and like comedy stuff where it's like the things that are fucked up in life, this allows you a release to kind of like laugh about it. Yeah. Or like get go through it, but in a mini way where you kind of feel like, okay, I've dealt with it. Like I've kind of gotten through it. Yeah. A little, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it's cool. I guess that it does kind of fit the comedy horror then in that way. But well, what's interesting about that whole sequence, sorry, unless yeah, you're, you're good. No, you're good. You're good. I just noticed this today because I rewatched it and it was uh, at the very beginning, like when he's like walking through opening the pills and he sees like the guy that's going to jump off. Um, there's like this little thing of like this mini pool of water and this little boy is playing with this like motorized boat. And then his mom comes up and like starts yelling at him and like drags him off. Yeah. And then the boat sinks. And I was like, that's the ending of the fucking movie. <laughs> Is that not? He just put it there in front oh. of us in the first 20 minutes. That fucking crazy fuck. I love Ari Aster. Good call out. Well, yeah. so, and I'm I certainly think... not the first one to see that almost a year later. <laughs> However, this was my first time noticing it. And I thought that was pretty cool. Well, and I, I mean, I think for me personally, I think this first chapter is the funniest chapter. It has the oh, yeah. most comedy in it. Like, I love... It also the... is pretty straightforward, weirdly. Like, mm-hmm. the, the what's going on is weird as, and crazy as it is. But the rest of the movie gets a lot weirder and unsure of, like, what's happening. Is this... what what What's, what's yeah. the deal? You yeah. know, this is where it, it's, like, it's absurd. But, like, you know, if you're not with it already, you might not be with it the rest of the movie. <laughs> you're not yeah. on board. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to call out since this was my second time watching it. I paused it several times to see cool. what was on screen. And it was just some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. Like, you know, when he makes his microwavable dinner, it's the best of Hawaii and Ireland. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> like, ew, what the fuck is that? And then also it, it's two for thirty three ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, this is less than two dollars a meal. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, well, what did Bo do for work? I don't know what he does. I mean, his, 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 his mom's rich, so we, I guess we have to... We don't know that until later, so I guess we assume maybe she's taking care of him, but I don't think that's the point of the movie. I also loved the uh, perfect, perfectly safe for men soap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. And that's what's great is that if you go back and pause the beginning of the movie and then at the end of the movie... You can see all the shit that's like his mom's businesses yeah. everywhere doing everything. And it's like, I mean, no joke. I literally found this out today, too. Her fucking company logo is one of the production companies who made the movie, supposedly. Like, it shows up at the beginning with the other production <laughs> company logos. And I thought that was also a nice touch. It's like the MW uh, logo. And I was like, that's hilarious. The, the <laughs> that's how much of a fucking micromanager she is. The funniest thing to me in the in the first chapter maybe in the entire movie is when he goes to his apartment and they have the notice about the spiders you know, oh god like, the brown recluse the yeah. brown recluse but i paused it did you notice at the bottom of the at, at the bottom of the notice that they had a winston churchill quote no <laughs> it's yeah see there's they, millions they, of fun millions of layers in this they thing. have killer spiders and then at the bottom it says Church by a uh, quote by Winston Churchill, the price of greatness is responsibility. <laughs> so like responsibility equating to like, don't let the spider. Don't let the spider. Yeah. And it's like, why, like, who's <laughs> letting them? Hey, bite me. Which that actually, thank you for bringing up the spider. Because I think my favorite part of this whole sequence, there's so many. Yeah. And I know it's like probably really, it is the whole drug thing, like taking the drugs and then not having water and that whole like spiel that we just talked about. But afterwards, this is like jumping forward a little bit because yeah, yeah. he said the spider when he's in the bath. Oh, yeah. And I still think it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in real, like in a movie. Yeah. I don't understand it, but I love it. Like he's literally in there. This is like after like everyone had broken in the night before and stayed in his place. Well, like and after he's gotten the phone call about his mom and he's literally in there. His apartment's destroyed, yeah. but he's like taking a bath and then it's like dripping from the ceiling and he looks up and there's just this big fucking bald dude like with his arms and feet like or his hands and feet like against the walls it's like, like bouldering like spider-man yeah. yeah and you're and he's just like uh, uh, please please and i'm like what is this and then the, the fucking brown recluse is on his head and yeah. bites him and then he falls into the tub with walking phoenix because he's like frozen in terror and probably <laughs> just like what the fuck and then it like they wrestle and the whole thing yeah. in the bathtub and some people have said that, like, the man was supposed to be, like, maybe just basically in his mind, like, the spider. That's, like, how big it mm -hmm. would be, with, like, in his mind. But it's, like, the man. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's, like, I don't know if it's that. But I was also just, like, I really don't know how else to explain it, though, unless the man is supposed to be the spider, maybe. Because that's how it feels to me, like, how scary it would be to see someone hanging above you like that. That's the fear I would have if it was a spider. So, like, maybe I can kind of get it there. But maybe. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. It's also so funny that like he's looking down at Joaquin Phoenix in the tub and he's looking at him like Joaquin is invading his place. Yeah. But... <laughs> so weird. I, I think I think the way that I rationalized it in my head was like it showed Joaquin had a fear of 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 people like getting into his house. Mm, and yeah. and then like, like we saw that his apartment flooded with it and that flooded with people and then it's like they all left and so it's like okay this they're all gone and then when he gets the worst news of his life 
and relaxes that, in the back, that, like trying to deal with it. That That's when it happens. Is still there, and it You're happens right. at the worst time. The anxiety comes back right yeah. after the call about his mom, which I did not realize until the later scene. Obviously, I think like most people that that was Bill Hader's phone, like fucking voice oh. on the phone. Oh yeah, I want to get to the phone call, I know. but also the bathtub scene. Um, I wanted to ask you. I mean, the guy, the guy in the the ceiling is is shocking. I. I personally think the glimpse of his balls is more shocking because they're enormous. The big guy? No, 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 no. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix's Phoenix? balls. Oh, I've se- I see them in multiple things in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember the them in the chapter. Bathtub. The final chapter, we get the full, <laughs> the full yeah, look at it. We get him. all the balls, but like, yeah, and I mean, we hear about them a lot in the movie. Yeah. But you know what? I'm gonna have to rewatch it again because I did not notice them in the tub. It's, I was very distracted by the man a, on the it's ceiling. A, it's a glimpse, but I wanted to. I was gonna say. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, no hard feelings, and I think we excluded this movie in the You're naked right. fight scene. It felt I almost think, like a dance the way that think, they're spinning around it, the tub. I think it counts as a naked fight scene. <laughs> I agree. You're right, and the way that Joaquin Phoenix like spills out of the tub and then just keeps running is great. And you're right. It is. I can't believe I forgot that because this is my favorite movie from last year. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with me? Because it is less of a fight than the other ones. But I will say more still, of a tumble. It's more of, yeah, like a tumble. Coordinated, a, like a par- dance. partnered log roll. They're like literally <laughs> doing like fucking like the, what is that thing? That Barrel they do? roll. Water, no, what's the water? Like water aerobics and shit. That's what it felt like. <laughs> like they were doing like some water aerobics routine in the bathtub, which is so small. I it don't know crazy. what. I don't know what water aerobics you're watching, but sure. Uh... (laughs) That's not what water aerobics is. Wow. No, I legit was like so stressed during that scene because I was like, where the fuck is the spider? That was one concern. I would be like, I don't give a fuck about this guy. Where the fuck is the spider? Because that thing bit his face and then he fell. Like, I will say too, the, the spider coming off. I don't even think there was a big sting of music behind it, but it fucking made me jump scare out of yeah. I literally yeah. screamed and was like, <laughs> like it caught me. And I was like, wow, that was great. Uh, Feel well, alive. That, <laughs> alive. And then, yeah, I, I mean, we can tap this, this chapter with the yeah. Bill Hader phone call. Cause yes. I, I thought that was so just well-written and like how they do it. It felt so realistic. Like the, the situation is totally insane, but like the way they do it is so straight. It's so authentic. I like it's Bill sad. Ha- Bill Hader is such a good actor. Like just with his voice, like he played this guy of just like total confusion. The of UPS the guy stumbled like, up on the dead body without a head. Yeah. And <laughs> the way that they go about this whole roundabout way of getting to like realize that it is her it's his mom that mm-hmm. that Bill Hader has found because obviously he answered her phone. So like <laughs> It's like they know, but then they even do the thing of like, okay, well, why don't you call back? Maybe you down the wrong number. And he's like, yeah. you're right. And then he calls and he's like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is yeah. weirdly funny at the end, but then you're also like, it is so realistic that like later on when you see that was Bill Hader, I was like, oh my God. Now I laugh a little bit more when I listen to the scene because it is like yeah. so absurd. But like Bill Hader, I mean, just if you watch Barry, you know, he's a fucking I, great dramatic actor. So I was I was going to say that scene reminded me of just like a sh- like I would not be surprised if Bill Hader uncredited wrote that scene. Yeah. Just like I that, love that. That feels like Barry. It's, yeah. it's, it's so good. Whoever thought we'd have a scene between Bill Hader and Joaquin Phoenix. Oscar winner. Fucking yeah. 
that's got to be crazy. That's good yeah. for Bill Hader. He can keep up even on so, the phone. That's that's impressive. And this and and there's two of these scenes in this first chapter that carry over throughout the entire movie. And this is where like really Joaquin Phoenix's performance is at its best is him just not saying anything. It's him absorbing the situation. It's these long takes where we just see his face and he's hearing something or he's seeing something and we just see the because they're long one takes. It's just we see his face and him processing this crazy shit that's happening. But he's doing so much with his face and every time. And it's it's like it's also the worst shit that's happening to him. I love how like he's hilarious with with a lot of the stuff in this. But then also like he's so heartbreaking in some scenes because he's like, please stop. And you're like, yeah, stop fucking killing this guy. He's just the nicest guy. And he's just getting fucking kicked around the whole movie. But Walking Phoenix is incredible. I do. I can't let us finish the city without mentioning one of my favorite characters in the movie, but let alone this sequence, is birthday boy Stabman, as yeah. they call him on the news. The uncircumcised. Naked, the uncircumcised. White, he's been described. A white, uncircumcised male. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, literally, they have video of him on the fucking... He's killed 28 people. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> no one's done anything. And then, of course, of course, that's when he gets Bo, which the next chapter, obviously, is capped by Bo running out of the bathtub naked, screaming. My favorite is the, like my favorite but like one of the funniest things i think in the movie is the cop saying like pulling his gun on him when he's naked with his hands up and he's like freeze and he's like freeze don't make me shoot you and he's like i'm not doing anything and he's like don't make me do it that was a little too real oh my god (laughs) but it all leads to him getting knocked out in in the car accident so and then we out so then we go to the next chapter of uh him waking up in the stranger's house Am I dead? No, no. You've been healing so quickly. And n- no organs were hit, and your your bleeding was really mild. What this is a room is. This is a room in our house. But it's your home for as long as you need. My name's Grace. Oh, this is Roger. This is my husband. Hey, Kai. Welcome back. Thought you'd sleep in, huh? Roger's a very respected surgeon. He's the one who dressed and treated your wounds. You're a lucky man. All right, so chapter two, Bo gets hit by a truck, um, and then he wakes up in these strangers' homes, and they're like, hey, we're the people that hit you, and we're going to take care of you, which sounds like the beginning to several horror movies where it's like, oh, it's like misery. Like, oh, I found you and now I'm going to take care of you, but I'm going to make sure you stay here so that you don't, you know, turn me into the police or something. Like it, has, it has that vibe of like, I'm taking care of you, but like to a point. Because you know, I don't want you to leave me. That's yeah. a very like fucked up thing. But there's like a lot of really like, I mean, this goes all the way back, but I would say like, I mean, psycho, like Norman Bates was kind of just shorthand for like, the worst kind of version of this yeah. where it was like she babied her son so much that like he killed her and her lover because he was jealous right like she it was inappropriate shit you know yeah. i even remember that fucking prequel show norm the bates motel they did back in the day oh, and i with the good it. doctor yeah and as much <laughs> as i hate him now i actually like that show vera formiga was norman Bates's mom, Mrs. Bates. But um, I always laughed because my mom and I would watch that and she would go, she is a terrible mother. That is so inappropriate. I'm like, well, hello. (laughs) 
you know what we're watching, right? This guy becomes a serial killer. I don't think she's going to win Mom of the Year award. <laughs> like I was like, I think that's the point. And I feel like this movie is almost a little similar with that. Whereas this mom is like, I mean, obviously this is more of the guilt approach, but I would say that's pretty much the like crazy mom's move. Is They're all about the guilt of like, they gave you everything, so you have to give them everything and more. <laughs> yeah. And also the mom is Holly from The Office. So great to see her. Yes. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the other, his real mom. So oh, you mean Fawn Moscato from New Girl? Is that her name? I was just thinking of Patty Lupon. Oh, she plays a, a politician in New Girl that Schmidt ends up oh, getting okay. with. And she's amazing. She's a she's like one of the all timer like late season additions. Oh, she's she, incredible. She will come so on good. for a couple of, like episodes of like Amer she was on American Horror Story Coven. I always like she's oh, okay. insane, but I loved her and like she just pops up and stuff, and I'm always happy to see Patty LuPone. She's incredible, and she's a legend for a reason. She's also really fucking funny. Yeah, for as insane and terrifying as she's she can be, so funny. She's honestly, I can't imagine who else they would have cast like for this role. I mean, yeah, and it's actually the the young actors that they got to to play like the younger versions of them are incredible with how close they actually look and yeah. talk. Yeah, like it was funny seeing her as the young mother because like I'm used to her from New Girl and mm -hmm. she's hilarious in that. And this like the way that she talks is like it's it's, it's like menacing and like, yeah, it's like you're such a good actor. When um, she's like even talking about how much she loves him and I give you everything. But it's like it's just so sinister. Everything yeah. that honestly, yeah. like, I mean, that's what the whole movie is like. You're like, I'm on Bo's side. He might be fucking crazy, but she's crazier. Yeah. Is honestly, that's how I feel about this movie. It's like, yeah, this guy's definitely like, God, he's fucking crazy. But I would say the mom is definitely the fucking reason. Yeah. And a thousand times crazier. As sane as she might actually act. Because Bo definitely acts like someone who would be in an insane asylum. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But so... The first chapter is a lot of like environmental anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then this is the chapter where I really feel like they dig in on on like guilt and like the anxiety of like being a burden or like putting someone out because they're with this like seemingly just like the nicest family in they the still world. Seem weird, though. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. I, I love. I OK, so like, wait, wait, what's Holly's name? Her name's not really Holly, is it? No, I'm just calling her Holly. Okay, I want to call her Holly, too. Oh, no, it's Amy Ryan. Amy oh, okay. Ryan and Nathan Lane are the best. They're so fucking funny in this whole part. But it's like, they also are really good at being, like, kind of dropping that instantly and giving it a sinister feel. Like, yeah. even, there's just little bits of that. But they are, it's like, he gets hit by the car and wakes up in this place. And it's like, just <laughs> the coming to of everything. And then, like, this weird place. And, like, they have a fucking ankle bracelet on him. And, like... It's just so surreal, but they are like super nice, but it's they're like, like oh. nice, but it's like something's off, you know, yeah. like especially like, once the daughter comes home and you're like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, also you were stabbed repeatedly by this naked guy. That cut to like when that happened, that was shocking. I was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, I was I, not expecting that. I was crying <laughs> laughing because he's like literally like the, puts up the hand and he's like stabbing his hand. Mm. He's like, Why? <laughs> why are you doing this another guy's like birthday boy stab me it's just doing what he does best yeah <laughs> it's just so funny but yeah that was a very jarring cut and then it's it very much takes a slower pace at this point but yeah. it's still like 
I would say this is where it gets a little bit more surreal, even though yeah. it's like this family's just taking care of him and you kind of have that misery thing that you were talking about. It's mm-hmm. familiar, but it's also like they're saying weird things to him. Like when when uh, Holly, I'll just call her Holly, when she yeah. gives him the note, passes him the note that says stop incriminating yourself. And it's like, what? yeah, what it was very it it, it it was very like, like, don't worry, darling. Yeah, or I was gonna say like the Truman Show, where it felt very like like I would say especially like I mean obviously I think we can agree that the stuff in the city was over dramatized and also put on in order to make him feel like life away from his mother was horrible. I imagine, Mm -hmm. but I feel like if you go back to like like this is where the like it it really starts to kind of seep in. I think where it's like this. Oh, okay, so like there there's somebody fucking pulling some strings because it's also weird how everything and every different place that he ends up along the way has to do with his own journey yeah you know like the whole family dynamic they're still dealing with the loss of like the brother and that's why like they they let him stay in their daughter's room even though she's alive and she's like has to sleep on the couch instead of dead sons like from the army like his room that's perfectly fine yeah i I was like oh that's like actually like it puts an interesting family dynamic into like a lot of stuff that kind of wouldn't make sense otherwise you're like i don't really understand what's happening here yeah it's it's also a brilliant thing on on Ari Aster's role of like the first chapter was just overstimulation of sound visuals everything and then this chapter they pull it all back mm-hmm. and so it feels unsettling as you're watching it because you're now like I've 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 you know settled into the white noise of the chaos yeah. of the city and then it goes to the suburbs and it's like silence but there's still like stuff going on in the background which i really enjoy because like you're already like kind of on top of it because you were prepared for it obviously the first 30 minutes of the movie really gives you a good exercise of that so like there's still stuff happening in most scenes in the background Mm -hmm. like things that you're like hey what about that what the fuck's going on there like how the daughter goes out and tells the army guy who does live with them who's insane to come and kill him every night (laughs) i love all that that guy is hilarious in this movie jeeves that yeah jeeves that's what his (laughs) name is and nathan lane's comments about him he'll be so embarrassed in the morning (laughs) he'll be more embarrassed than anybody and it's just like he's a really good guy he's just got ptsd but he's like always just like like when bo's on the phone talking to his mom's lawyer and like that guy's like literally just rolling down the hill literally just fucking shit up in the background even Bo like turns around so good because it's like he just has to get that unsettling vibe into everything you know because it's like as much as this might slow down you kind of feel like you've left that anxious feeling it's just more of a different type of anxiety and again I feel like it it spikes when he like talks to the lawyer and gets the whole guilt trip about his mom because like that guy doesn't even nobody listens to Bo when he's like I was in an accident because he's also so meek he doesn't say anything strongly so I feel like everyone just walks all over him dude I love the lawyer Richard Kind he does an incredible job at just being a voice and then at the end when he's like being an asshole like he's so good in this oh yeah have you seen him in anything else I've seen him a lot in Scrubs. Yeah, he's uh, in, he's uh, Larry's cousin in Curb, so he's like literally in every season. Yeah, and he's, he's one, of, one of the funniest. He's one of those guys that's in a ton of things. Like he was in a he had his own show, like I think it's called In Treatment that he mm, was like yeah. the lead for. But like, he's hilarious. He's, he's so good, and yeah, I loved that he was in this and just played a an asshole lawyer, and it, he was so. Honestly, good. it was just. 
I think the whole thing with this movie really is just the guilt that you feel of anxiety, which like, I can't even like tell you how I would even begin to go about explaining that to somebody, but like, I would just maybe just tell them to watch this movie. And it's like, I feel like you kind of feel guilty by association, especially by the ending when that guy's like just yelling at you. But like throughout the whole movie, it's really instilling that feeling of guilt that is like, just like goes hand in hand with anxiety. Like I cannot tell you the millions of times that it's like during the day on a fucking weekend. And I'm like, just sitting in my mind, like just giving myself shit after shit about not doing anything at all the things I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like you do that and you guilt yourself so much that it just felt like, yeah, you know, I never really have verbalized the fact that I'm like guilty because of my anxiety, but like, it makes sense to relate it to the mother son relationship because it very much would be like a mother being guilty to you. It's like your mother's voice almost is like the the anxiety voice. Yeah. And, and like, as we've mentioned, like Bo covers every anxiety known to man. And this was a scene that I like actually really related to. Um, I'm someone who like, I'm very easygoing and I don't like to put people out. Yes. And like the whole scene of, like Bo explaining how much he needs to go. And then the dad be like, okay, yeah, we'll totally do that. And then like the morning I was like, oh, I can't, I got surgeries. I, yeah. I can't do this. But first thing tomorrow, we'll do it. And he, he's like, no, I need to go. Okay. Like, yeah. And then later on, he's like, I didn't want to put him out. Like I totally related to that. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is awful. <laughs> it's like a weird thing that like, I, I feel like I don't want to put, put people like, you don't want people to be like, out anyway but it's also like i also go out of my way to get people to like me as like yeah. a result of it too so it's like the same thing but it's like it's like weird stuff like i you know like i'm at the restaurant like the waiter i want him to think i'm the coolest or the best one there <laughs> yeah. like at ordering you know or at the airport i want them to be so impressed by the way that i go through security so well like yeah. weird shit like that you just seek approval and shit i feel like it's like just really baked into this part of the movie where it's more of like, cause these people are like probably the nicest people he encounters Yeah. besides the people at the play. But these are like, they seem to, I mean, obviously it, it turns at a certain yeah. point yes. because we get to the paint drinking and shit. Yeah. But I think my favorite of this whole sequence is the drug, the drugs in the car and like the, the, oh my the sister God. like just taking him because of course I think it, it just punctuates. Like it starts off with him like watch on her computer and he sees the news story of his mother's death, which like hilarious in hindsight, all this yeah. stuff. Um, but like, that's where you get the Bill Hader thing. And then it cuts to Parker Posey, which is like yeah. the girl that you had the flashbacks with. And he's like, oh. and then it, just before you can even think anything, he just pukes all over the yeah. computer. And then she walks into the room like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I'll clean it up. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> that would literally be the worst though. Like there's no cleaning that dude. You gotta oh toss that shit. It's so good. <laughs> but oh. yeah, then they take him on the drive and they're like, you have to do these drugs. And I feel like that's another kind of anxiety. Yes. So, I mean, I'll chime in and say like, um the the whole like putting someone out thing it's such a weird kind of like paradox in in my mind is like you know i'm not like i'm not someone who asks for help often but when i do ask for help i have a fear that like well it's like i have this fear that this is going to be that person's last straw even though i've never asked for help 
yeah the moment i ask for help they're gonna be like dude you need help constantly and it's like yeah. it's a crazy paradox that's I, how anxiety is it is a paradox if nothing else it's worrying about things that you know are not things you need to be worried about but you cannot stop yourself from worrying about them yeah <laughs> you know and i feel like literally still to this day like outside of this movie because i feel like it really relates anxiety and mental health stuff in such a clear way but i always go back to this quote from girls of all places <laughs> when fucking hannah said she's like i like it's blowing my mind that like i hold the keys to the prison that is my mind and i'm like <laughs> wow you're right like i am in, my mind is a prison at times but like it's crazy because it's like i'm the one fucking doing that it's not like there's yeah. some evil demon that's possessing my brain so it's like i have the keys to get out but i'm walking myself in there and pretending <laughs> like i don't have them you know what i mean it's yeah. a weird thought and i felt like that really was like huh that helped me with like how to figure out how to think about it and like kind of deal with it because it is true yeah so then the car scene i i fucking loved the car scene so much because it's it's one of the only times in the it is the only time in the movie where we get a moment of like how would someone with anxiety interact with drugs? Yeah. But I also love the scene because I feel like it's one of, at least thinking off the top of my head, it's one of the best moments of like teenagers putting adults in threatening situations. A rare turnaround in those. Usually it's the adults kidnapping the kids. Yeah. Like, it's like they're it's kidnapping like, like a 50 year old man and he's yeah. still their bitch. Like he it, has to do whatever they say. It's like you have this anxiety of being abducted. And then it's like we have the comedy of being abducted by teenagers. <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. And like, yeah, the whole thing of like, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And like, instead of just being normal, they fucking like slam on the brakes and he like smacks his head against the seat and like rockets back. And then it's like they force him to like hold it in and take <laughs> the biggest hit. And I just, I really love also in movies. And I feel like Ari Aster does this impossibly well where I'm like, how did he come out of the camera and know what it's like? Like, it feels like so real. Mm. He's really good at like, once you do the drugs, you can kind of feel the sense that it's taking over and yeah. warping what we're seeing. In Midsommar, he does this with like the grass. Yeah. She looks down, the grass is growing through her skin and stuff. And like yeah. the flowers are moving and breathing. I love shit like that because it's like, it's just what an incredible visual artist that he can come up with this shit. And then like these people put it in a vision that is perfectly explaining what they're going for. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> so good. And then ultimately it all leads to the paint scene. And I did not see her drinking paint coming and so like i was like okay this is like i've seen i've seen military movies you know like i think of uh like uh i think it's called like brothers with like toby mcguire and jake gyllenhaal and like outrageous oh, apartment yeah 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 it's like these yeah. outrages and stuff so i've seen that but then like when it just jumps to her like her like paint drink the paint with me i'm like wait what's going on and then she drinks up whoa and then holly comes in and she's like jeeves yeah rip him apart and you're like, jesus fucking i never thought i'd be scared of holly from the office but shit <laughs> she was so good honestly that whole part is just so what the fuck because it's great i think that's one of the reasons that this movie's so good to rewatch is that the more i've watched like the multiple times now I love that scene. The first time I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. It's so cryptic. And then again, it's 
it's like as outrageous and insane as the first part of the movie is. It's so coherent in a way mm-hmm. compared to like there's really like there's so much that you don't get from these other sequences until you rewatch, you know? Yeah. This is one of them where you're like, what the fuck? But yeah. then you realize like what all the weird shit that they've been saying to him. Everyone treating you like an orphan is just so fucking stupid. And you do feel bad for this chick that like her parents clearly don't care about her. They only yeah. care about their dead son. I mean, everyone's so exaggerated that it's hard to feel like super emotional. But I really enjoyed her performance. She was insane from like the moment yeah. she showed up to when she fucking drank that paint. But I was like, I love this chick. She's crazy. Yeah. And that was so, also I wonder what the fuck she was drinking, because it's like obviously it's not paint, but it really looked like paint. If I had to guess, it was just uh, her mimicking mm. the, the movement of swallowing. Or maybe it was. I'm assuming lot. it was like an actual liquid that you could eat. Maybe it was just like a gallon of yogurt with food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta be. Because I was like, I mean, and they had it all over their mouths. I'm pretty sure it's toxic no matter what. Yeah. So like, yeah, it'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just drink a little bit. Then just go puke. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But either way, it is a great visual too with like the pink and the blue. I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. This movie's great. And she was great at being just like a teenager, mm-hmm. like being an emotional teenager. And yeah, yeah, like teenagers lash out. They don't all drink paint. But this movie should just be called Exaggeration, the movie. Yeah. And so you like, never it... learned it's not a documentary by now. <laughs> yeah. And I do feel like, yeah, maybe they'll kill themselves, but I doubt any of them do it that way. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's just so funny because it's such an absurd thing, but it is fucked up when the mom comes in. I think that's when it makes it real because you're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. And like you get the, the look at her corpse. You're like, oh, shit. It's like Bo's reaction is just great because it's like, why the fuck is this happening? You're with him the whole movie. Literally, I think that's what's great about it is that Ari Aster just said, I want to put you in the mind of a loser. And he did not necessarily like people with anxiety are losers but like i think we can agree bo is a loser he yeah he he's a loser he's a he's a victim of his loserness yeah that's yeah. great that's even worse than just being a loser you're a yeah. victim of your own loserhood like whatever yeah. that is i love it and I, what's the way that he blacks out again i forget he he jumps he jumps through the door and then he runs, <laughs> runs through the, through the woods glass. And he runs through the woods, and then I think he he trips over something and falls down a hill, and then and then he yeah, blacks he out while, his while, head or something while like Jeeves falls. is chasing him. You're like, how did Jeeves not catch up with him in that short period of time? I mean, Jeeves is not far behind, as you'll see in the next chapter. But <laughs> you will walk many miles. Dozens will become hundreds. Hundreds will become thousands. You will pass through countless villages. But finally, one village will speak to you. Some deep, essential part of you will recognize it. And you will say, this village is mine. All right, so chapter three, the camp, as I'm calling it. This is probably the shortest chapter of the movie, but it really revolves around the the play that happens. But this is a really interesting setup in that like it's these nomads and they just like travel around and do this play kind of thing. And then the it's very like inception-y mm-hmm. of like is the play, play actually, within the play within yeah, the like, play. <laughs> yeah, it's like is the guy that's hosting the play, is it Bo? 
is Bo like, the yeah, topic of, of the play? Is the play happening while Bo's there? Is Bo in the play? It's kind is of this like... all for him? It's this whole thing, and it really like takes you. I would say this is like the one time where I'm like, this really takes me out of the movie, but in the best way. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it still fits with the overall movie, but it kind of you get lost in this whole other story of like the play. And then yeah. because the walking Phoenix, of course, takes over from the main guy. And he's like the narrator and the music is just like kind of a rethrill or like, I don't know, it's weird, but it feels like calming in the way that she's talking about even when she says stuff like and then she will get pregnant because you will have sex with her. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> the weirdest things that she says, it still sounds OK. You it's know? like she has like the voice of like a meditation app like leading yeah. you through a thing is yeah. like if she, i'm if pretty this, sure this is the headspace voice for sure <laughs> if her if her voice was siri i would not listen to those directions i would just be entranced and turn asleep. left here i don't know what you mean uh turn yeah. <laughs> turn left yeah <laughs> i do love the way that she talks but like it is it's great like how you say that like that it's like Inception, but with a play. Mm -hmm. And then like, it's just so random in the middle of this movie, but it's not random at all because it's like, literally, this is like the story of a life in this play, mm -hmm. this one man. And it's like his parents are dying. And then it's like his journey on his life and like his wife and kids. And it's walking Phoenix. So you get really invested in yeah. it. But like, you're like, no, he's never had sex. That's like one of the big things we know about Bo. Yeah. Is that he's never had sex because of his mom told them that his dad and his grandfather both died the first time they had sex. Like and a that, typical fucking woman manipulation. I love that. Well, and I love that they like remind him that at the end of this whole That's how long they bring sequence. you out of it. And then it's like what it reminds me of, like, you know, uh, when we talked about Society of the Snow, like the the rick and morty episode it's like you oh, have yeah. this whole thing and then it pulls you out of it at the end it's like oh whoa what <laughs> yeah it's like i was so... just invested in this in the last seven minutes and yeah. like what happened <laughs> like i was already all in and now this is taking me in a new direction and like i said like normally you're like i would not want some random thing that pops up and it's like a play for like 15 minutes at least i don't know how long this section is but it feels like 10 to 20 minutes anywhere in there yeah, it's probably closer to 10, but like because it's Joaquin Phoenix and then it's like he meets a woman and then they get pregnant and have three boys. And then there's a they have this wonderful house in this village and then the fucking wave comes. Yeah. And then he's searching across the world for his family. And it's like then you get to see him and he's like super old and coming into a play that he's listening to. And you're like, what? Like, it just takes so many turns yeah. that like I love how you just said that. Like, literally, that's how they come out of it is the whole sex thing is because. And that was the moment that I was like, oh, yeah, like I <laughs> yeah. literally had forgotten that, too, because I was like, it, I think it's the moment when he's like his sons are on the stage and then he reunites with them. and It's like old Joaquin he yeah. just sells it. And it's so beautiful and sweet that you're kind of like, I can't believe that he finally found them. But you're like, oh, wait, he never had a family like outside of that, <laughs> you know? So w the first time you watched this, like what? What did you how did how like how did you interpret this scene? Because it's it's so weird. Yeah, honestly, like, I just like I didn't know what it was, but I figured it was something that like, I don't know, I guess I was already thinking of this like kind of like the Odyssey or like, you know, Lord of the Rings, which is what yeah. you said, where there's like there might be some side paths that they go down, but like they teach you something important along the mm -hmm. way. Like there's obviously a lot of things and like the Hobbit, that's one of the reasons I love it. It's a bunch of fucking pit stops doing other shit, but it like it all matters in the end of the journey. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it. And then also, like, I figured 
I'm I was like I definitely didn't grasp the whole thing of it because I think once you see the ending it kind of really helps pull the things together but I was like this feels so weirdly specific but then I kind of assumed it was just in his head and that he yeah. was just like relate like this story was making it so real for him that he was like putting himself into it and then like even he had that moment of like oh wait this isn't really me I'm not that old this is yeah. not story you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know it was kind of weird but I just assumed it was something of like his mind portraying this. Like he's watching the real play, but it's like his mind. It's happening different. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's. Is I that what you thought? A, I mean, I think that's a good way to look at most of this movie. Is like his mind. Yeah. I don't. So when I when I watched it the second time, the first time, I'm pretty sure I didn't know what was going on. But <laughs> the second time, it reminded me of of uh, theater camp. In when the when the main guy, the bro dude, like he starts getting into the into the musical, like he sees he starts getting into it. It reminded me of kind of that moment is like this was Bo's like first experience with a play because he doesn't go out much. And he for good reason in his yeah. neighborhood, I would hate to see a play they were putting on. But it's like he he was in a play and then he identified with a part of the play. And then the whole sequence is really like him getting caught up in the power of performance, I guess we could say. And the the way I interpreted it is like that story was kind of like him imagining him his life without the shackles of mm -hmm. anxiety. Like but then he, it's like it's weird because it still creeps up on him in the end, right? Well, it still comes back to get him is the well, thing. And I think I, and I, I saw that and I was like, I think that, kind of plays That's into perfect. the character you can escape it like he yeah. had this moment of like what would my life would be if i wasn't scared of everything and then he got everything and then his anxiety came back and then everything was lost and then mm -hmm. it was like this whole odyssey of him finding Just walking around life. to find things until he finally is like a hundred years old and finds his sons but then he's like your mother where's she and they're like where is she you don't have her and it's like what and it's this whole thing but it's like I yeah I guess I just I was just remembering that you texted me about this and your your text originally when you first watched this said this play sequence is a real mind fuck so I was like yeah of course but you said is this supposed to be like another method of depicting living with anxiety and not finding peace and relief because like he like has that family like you said and he loses yeah. them and then he's like still like no no better off because he spends his entire life stressed and anxious trying to find them. So yeah. it's like it's I think that could be the thing that it's like it no matter who where you go or what you do and what choices you make, you will still have anxiety. But yeah. I think it's more about like accepting that you can't run from it and like, dealing with it head on, which is really hard to do if you have anxiety. Because like you yeah. said, you don't like confrontations. It's very like staple of, of anxiety. So it's like hard to fight it. But I kind of feel like maybe that's what like I think you're on to something there. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel this like whole movie basically every yeah. chapter. I think the main thing is, is anxiety. <laughs> I think that's a safe thing for us to say because I don't. I honestly don't think I'll ever figure out everything. There's a lot yeah. of undertones and like subliminal messages and like a lot of Freudian shit, you know, with, with like sex and all these yeah. things that like, you know, it's well, just weird. <laughs> and then it also has you know a little moment where it plays around with like people with projecting and it's like 
you know, we talk a ton about movies and we watch movies and we have different reactions to them. Part of that is just how we interact with them, what we project onto them. Mm -hmm. And he has a moment where he watches this play and he has this whole projection of his life and what could have been. And then he sees this random guy and he just, he assumes that that's his father because that was the story he just like imagined to himself. Yeah. And and then we learn that it's not his father. We learn who his real father is. But it's like well, this moment. Supposedly. We'll talk about that. I don't know if that's real, but okay, yeah. But it's um, like- but yeah, I agree with you. He just immediately that guy's like, I knew your dad, like whatever. Which it also is like, it feels like it's like people who are like trying to tell Truman, hey, you're on a TV show. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be like, what? But like, I mean, like Bo is trying to figure it out and like wondering, like, what do you mean? What did you mean by that? You know, he's always asking yeah. those questions, but like doing it in such a mild way. It's not like, hey, somebody give me some fucking answers. <laughs> yeah. And then that guy gets fucking blown up. And you're like, whoa, like, <laughs> like, dad, it's like, like, you don't even get a moment for the guy to say like, no, 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 sorry, I'm not your dad. But I know where he is because he says his dad's alive. Yeah. And he like was serving him food or some shit, taking care of him. Yeah. And. Yeah, and if it's it, the one that you're talking about, I don't think that's who he was talking about. The big I, dick. We'll talk I, about it. I think it is. And we'll, yeah, we'll get there. Oh, my God. OK, we, but, I'm interested. But uh, <laughs> but then yes. Jeeves comes and Jeeves like John Wick's not even the right term. John no. Jeeves like pulls a Rambo. He comes yeah. in and just blows everyone up. <laughs> he also, I don't know if Ariaster meant this as like Scream Three, like little thing, but like he throws the knife and it hits Joaquin yeah. Phoenix like in the same way that it hits Dewey in Scream Three, and he falls with down the, the butt stairs. with the butt of the knife. The butt, and I'm like, I mean, it never happens like that in other yeah. like literally, it, like he kills the guy on stage with it right to the face. So it's like, you know, God, how lucky he was. <laughs> but yeah, I would say this guy comes through more like a fucking like orc or something. Like he's just. There's a relentless just murder path. He's not worried about anything. He's just here to murder anything and everything. He's never surprised. He comes across a lot of weird shit in pursuit of this. And he never questions shit. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to kill you too. Like it's (laughs) insane how he just starts fucking killing everyone at the show. It's just like, oh my God. Okay, here's the chaos again. (laughs) Well, and in terms of action movie scenes, Ari Aster pulls off a great action movie scene and where like Jeeves falls on his own submachine gun. And it's just like, like he's bouncing on the submachine gun as it's just blowing through his chest. (laughs) Like so funny. That's what I'm saying. I think... Ari Aster could do any genre and make it fucked up and hilarious. I'm just saying this guy is a talent. Oh. Um, but yeah, well, that was a great part. <laughs> Comes out I of wa- fucking nowhere. Because what a lullaby of a chapter this this one has been. Great, he great really word. Just destroys it. <laughs> great word. It is a lullaby. Like it is it's soothing. The it's... animation is relaxing. The music, the voice, like we said, it's all yeah. beautiful. That's and that's the great thing about this movie. Every chapter is just like a totally different note. It's like an Very anthology of of vibes. You're so right. It's like an anthology, but in a movie, but like not where it's like literally separate stories. It's like one continuing story, but they literally are all so different. You could yeah. say these are all from different stories. Yeah. <laughs> and then I I did want to shout out before we switch to the final chapter. Um, there's also this is the scene where we get a lot of moments of the flashbacks of kid Bo and young mom and, and young Parker Posey I and love young it. Parker Posey. So great. I mean, really, the the scene that sticks out to me the most is 
there's two scenes. It's the one where Parker, young Parker Posey runs in. She's like, wait for me. And he's like, I don't know what that means. But like the pressure like, of, okay. that, of that statement as a child, wait for me. <laughs> like, like he literally listens for 40 something years. Like yeah. that's insane. That's what I'm saying. Fucking he, she said it once. It must be true. Like, yeah, <laughs> anxiety is a prison. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but then the scene where the mom is tucking Bo in at night and they have the rotating light. Yeah. I oh, am, God. I am obsessed with that scene and just so like weird. I the love sim- it. The simplicity of it, but then how engaging and intense it is. And like the lights just keep switching on her yep. face. And then you get that one part where it switches to the old woman. And it's like, oh, my God. Like That's what I'm saying. It's like extremely unsettling for such a simple scene. But it's like horrifying the way that I mean, she's got horror all throughout it, even though she's like, I mean, granted, she doesn't tell him the most wonderful story. But like, it's like the calming voice and like she's trying to be nice, I guess. I don't know. She's definitely manipulating him, but she's trying to like speak to him in a soft, calm voice. But it's very fucked up what's happening. And I felt like it was almost like the style of that scene reminds me of like Mandy. Oh, like that party scene where things get psychedelic and they're like really fucking weird. It felt like very much like that. Like I was like, were we drugged a minute ago? (laughs) It felt very much like that. Good call. Yeah. It was it was crazy because like at this point in the movie, so much crazy things have happened that like I feel like I'm almost in Bo's mind, like I've acclimated to the insanity. And so when I watched that scene, I was like, this is the bedtime speech that he got every night. I know. Like it's like, it's no like wonder oh my he's like this. God. <laughs> like the shit that she tells him. I mean, every time that she's I mean, literally, whenever it's like nighttime and they're like she's talking to him and, and he's trying to go to sleep, he's just sitting there staring at nothing and she's just filling his head with the most fucked up shit. You're like, you're guaranteeing this child. I and mean, that's why, like they said, they dressed Bo like in clothes that were too big. It's like he's literally supposed to be like a 10 year old, but an, a man. He's a 10 year old yeah. child, but he's a man. You know what like, I mean? He's never really grown up. He's still a fucking kid. He's a scared like- little boy. Since he's been 10 years old, every night he's been told, if you if you ejaculate, you're going to die. That's like the worst thing you could <laughs> tell to a little boy. It's so fucked. And it's like, like, no wonder he has those like elephant balls by the end of the yeah. movie. I was like, I didn't notice those the first time at all. I don't know why. I think just there's a lot of stuff taking it in. Your mind kind of like yeah. you're overstimulated. It's too much. But like the last couple of times, I just keep noticing them. I didn't notice that we saw them so much. And I guess that it's was, just like we got to prove that like he literally is a virgin though. Like he, that anxiety really worked. <laughs> that that's a, that's a poll that I would love to see of if you've watched this movie, did you notice his balls the first time in the bathtub scene? Well, in yeah, the split like, second, Waldo? <laughs> did you notice it? Cause I noticed it and you didn't. Yeah. I was like, is this a guy thing, girl thing? <laughs> like who's noticing the balls? <laughs> Let's ask the, the listeners. Uh, we we'll go. put out a poll. We should tell. <laughs> I want that. I want to know. Did you guys notice the balls? And if did so, what are, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Because like, I've never seen anything like that in real life. Thank God. But like, I would literally scream and cry and throw up if I did. <laughs> All right. So then we get to the final act, the uh, at his home, the funeral, etc. Do you also think I didn't know when you called to give me the big bad news about your fictitious keys being stolen from your imaginary door? Okay. 
You think a mother can even help but see through her son's blatant lies and falsehoods and endless schemes? You think this is any different from the time you gave me the exact same CD for my birthday that you gave me the year before and which you also gave your fucking high school counselor? Or when you bought me that kitchen set the very week after I publicly swore off cooking? Even when you were a baby, you rejected me and refused to breastfeed while every other smug cunt on the street had happy, docile babies sucking their tits dry. All right, so the final chapter. This is the the fucked up part of the movie. I mean, as much as there's been a lot of fucked up shit, this is where shit gets real fucked up, I would say. Yeah, this is especially like the end. There's, yeah, there's a lot of fucked up, especially the ending. And, but yeah, this final part's crazy. Um, Mm I mean, we can skip through like he gets there. The funeral's already happened. And the recording that they're playing perfectly timed that like of the the funeral and they're like talking shit about him <laughs> and the thing about he chose not to be here. And it's just it's like it's so much that I think that's when I started going like, is she really dead? <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but that was when I started to go like some of this stuff was like surreal on purpose. I know because of anxiety, but like that was, I think, the point when I was like, this might be fucking ruse is this your first time watching you were thinking that yeah not like yeah yeah okay my first time watching it i was brain dead by the time i got here i was like i can't i I can't predict anything in this movie (laughs) i don't know like i'm totally sober and i feel like i'm drugged up like yeah it felt like what is happening (laughs) i almost was like i wonder if i'd understand this movie perfectly if i did shrooms and then watched it (laughs) i still need to do that experiment maybe this weekend Um, But I do feel like that would be something that might unlock everything. But I feel like this chapter is where like you kind of get some answers. But like for me, I just the vibe when he got to the house, everything was just like, I mean, again, everything was just so perfect. And then I think when he's walking down the stairs towards the body and like all the photos of him and then there's like more that are like recent from like when he was like, you know, like with at Nathan Lane's house and like all that shit. And you're like. That's fucking weird. And then, like, he looks at, like, the mural of, like, her company of, like, all the employee photos that make up her face and that giant mural thing. And, like, you see a bunch of people, including Nathan Lane, who are, like, and, like, the crazy guy who, like, he found dead at the apartment with the black eyes at the beginning. Like, all those people are, like, on her employee list. So that's when it, like, I was like, oh, shit, I recognize some of those people because it kind of lingers on them just for a second. But I was like, because I'm scanning for clues. I was ready to see anything in the background that I was going to miss because I was like so expecting it from the rest of the movie that I was like, this has got to be the big like, oh, shit, she's not dead. So I was like kind of shocked that there was a body without a head there. That's interesting. So I only noticed Parker Posey. I didn't notice Nathan Lane and the and the other people. Yeah, there's everyone from the movie. I bet if you pause it long enough, but like I, it's probably it everybody. Minutes, it's literally everyone, and then also like all of the brand logos and like other companies that she has are like literally everything that we've seen. Like everything from the town. It even looked like right past like his little corner area was like normal, but like yeah. she had taken everything and put all of her resources here to make it horrible to push him back home. Or whatever her crazy reasons. I mean, basically, this is when you're like, oh, so like she's the maestro. She's the one who's actually like he might not actually be that anxious for nothing. You know, I mean, we've kind of gotten hints that she was insane. But like, again, I think the movies really ends on a 50 50 thing. Like it's probably even if she is that crazy, he's obviously just as 
as anxious and insane now, but it's more of like, they're both like just doomed from the start at this point. <laughs> I'm excited to see to, for us to talk about at the end of this, how, what our thoughts are on the ending. Cause I didn't pick up on any of this and I love the oh, movie. Really? So, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go back and watch it. It's an interesting thing that I picked up after like my second or third, I think last time. And then this one, I was like, these rewatches, I noticed a lot more of that. And I paused it. Cause I was like, wait a minute. I saw Nathan Lane. And then that's when I was like, wait, I can see other fucking people. There's probably great internet sleuths out there who found a lot of shit, but the, this cool. was, this chapter is where um, I felt like I got slapped in the face with the comedy again, because so when he goes, in, dick. <laughs> no, no, that's coming. Uh, when, when he goes into the house and they have the coffin and it's the headless corpse, I thought that was the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I really? See. They're displaying a headless corpse? I feel like the casket would be closed. Because <laughs> as uh, we know, the chandelier, right, it like exploded her head into a million pieces for whatever <laughs> Bill Hader said at the beginning. So like, I was expecting like, did they shittily put it back together? Nope. It's just like fucking nothing. And I was like, like, well, this is weird. Like, that was another thing. It just felt like I know this whole movie's had a lot of stuff that's surreal, but this feels like it's surreal and obvious, like, yeah. ding, 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 you know? <laughs> this doesn't feel right. I feel like they wouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting, like, the whole reveal that, like, the mom is essentially one of the most influential people in the world or whatever at this point. Super like, rich, owns everybody, and they're yeah. willing to do whatever they need to do for her. She's got, like, a fucking cult, basically. I could say, I feel like we can say the cult of, the cult of Mona like a real thing it feels like very in line with his other movies about these weird cults yeah it's like the the teenager from the second chapter drank the paint to get out of the cult situation, exactly yeah because it's fucked like they don't want to be there but like that's why like holly was trying to give him notes and help him like for yeah. throughout part of it because it was like they're being watched all the time i mean it's literally fucked like the way that she's like manipulated everything in his life i mean it's just a, it's obviously you know exaggerated to make a point but it's like this is probably like if you have an overbearing mother this is like not that far out there like i bet you'd be like you know what my mom would probably try and do that like <laughs> i don't know about you my mom was overly always really overbearing on me when i was younger and it was like always like super protective would let me go do things so i was like you know, maybe back in the day in her heyday, maybe she would have fucking pulled some shit. I don't know if she had the resources. I'm just saying not a no nobody really does anymore. But maybe fucking Chris Jenner. Maybe she could do this shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like if our moms were the most wealthy and influential people in the world. Yeah. I don't you saying that makes me feel pretty proud because your mom loved me in high school. So, yeah. Can win over win yeah. over her i can win over anyone yeah but. she didn't give birth to you so she doesn't give a fuck <laughs> what happens to you you know it's like she gave birth to me so she was just always so worried about everything even though i really gave her nothing to worry about <laughs> but she loved to remind me that i did and it's like the mom it's like they always want to remind you of all this stuff like it's a great this whole thing really comes to a head because like you know you're also like obviously maybe this is just in Bo's imagination i don't know yeah. like when the mom i mean obviously she's alive right we know that and yeah. there's this whole thing, but it could very well just be that like he has been so fucked up by this relationship and this trauma from his whole life that he's so anxious about this happening that it's like like he's even though it maybe it's not the truth. That's what he sees it as, you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're getting into the ending and like overall thoughts and i mean like 
there is a real valid question of like how much of this is real, how much of this is in his head. I don't know, but I want to take a quick pause on that. And I just want to talk about Parker Posey. Okay, cool. Yes. Love her. Because uh I comes feel... in for the final act and just nails it. They tease her and then she comes in and just crushes it and literally. Yeah, literally. Uh and I feel like I haven't seen Parker Posey because we recently I watched all the Scream movies and got to see the greatness of that. So this was like a good like, hey, Parker Posey can crush it. And she does. Oh, I just watched all those like Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, all those movies. She's in every single one. Yep. And she's one of my favorite actors just because she's so fucking funny and she can do a lot of shit. But yeah. she's just got this crazy energy where like, Normally, I feel like it would be super annoying if somebody else did it, but she just pulls it off in this yeah. weird way that it's like really endearing, even though she can be like a total like not like it's not like she's doing anything like so charming. It's just something about her that you're just like, I fucking love this bitch. Like the the only the only person that I think of in that same realm of Parker Posey is like Elizabeth Banks. Yes, very similar. Mm -hmm. Like it has that char has that charm with that kind of neurotic insanity. Yeah. Neurotic uh, <laughs> energy perfect yeah. for this movie honestly but like i just thought like i it's funny because like you don't even have any like flashbacks of like her and Bo as an adult mm -hmm. like yeah. to have any of that chemistry it's all the kid that just that you know flashback sequence on the boat but like when they finally meet each other and like realize again who they are like i was like i'm so invested in this relationship I mean, granted, mm -hmm. he did wait like 40 something years to have sex with her, which is incredible. And I think everyone would, you know, throw some pussy at him for that. But <laughs> and then she follows it up with fucking putting on Mariah Carey. And it's oh my just, God. I didn't think this could get any better, but then it does. <laughs> it's it's one of the greatest sex scenes of all time. Oh, it's great. For Everything all... about it is the opposite of what you would normally yeah. see in a sex scene nowadays. It's one of the greatest for all the wrong reasons. Like Mariah Carey restarting the Mariah Carey song. Hold on, let me start over. It's like, <laughs> yeah. so good. It's like I just need that beginning energy again. And then the fact too that like poor Bo, like you, it's understandable, but like he's literally like maybe is most anxious from like since the water incident at the beginning. This might be his most anxious moment the yeah. whole time they're having sex because he was like, wait, no. Oh, God, no. Just the whole time. And you just never see a guy doing that. And it was just really pure, weirdly. I don't know why. Uh, I was like, I feel so bad for this cute little man. I hope he can come and it'll be OK. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so invested in it. <laughs> I was I was like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, this needs to. I mean, it already happened, but like this should have been Joaquin Phoenix's Oscar reel. Yes. Where he has this moment that's have clearly defined throughout the movie that if he comes, he will, he will die. die. And watching Joaquin Phoenix have this paradoxical moment of like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. Please stop. I don't want to die yet. It's like the perfect because it's, he's so enjoying it, but he's so stressed out the whole it's time. It's unbelievable. Like, it's so good. You just don't it, see that energy anywhere else. It's a it's, great fucking thing. It's incredible. Like, I cry laugh the whole and time. Then, and then, I mean, the Oscar moment really is when he busts his giant nut. Yes. And, and 
Parker Posey has the greatest line of like that. That was a lot. You really blew through the bag. <laughs> blow right through that thing. Like, I mean, I get it, dude. You would have. She should have really double bagged that if it yeah. was like, first time ever. And he's like fifty. Like this is gonna be a lot. He's only been dreaming about it probably every night, but then also feeling guilty about it. So it was just so natural that like it really felt like that was real in that moment. Yeah. Like, this is exactly how he would like and, and experience that. It would yeah, be like equal parts great and terrible. Yeah, And like, just you could feel the experience of relief that he yeah. had. And it's just like, he's like, oh my <laughs> God. And he's like, finally. I thought I was going to die. Like, he was so good in that. And, that it, and the crying, it, it's beautiful. Almost. It is. And <laughs> it's it so pulls, gross when you see the balls. Yeah, and then it pulls you away. It distracts you so well that you forget that Parker Posey is dead because she died for the thing that he thought he was going to die What a from. fucking wonderful, like, switch switcheroo. I had no idea that was going to happen, but I was like, oh, shit. Now, how did the mother orchestrate that? I don't think that's a real disease, and how do you give it? I mean, she must have fucking made sure that would happen. I don't oh. know. Maybe she gave her a perfectly timed poison pill. I yeah. don't know, but that then, was fucking brilliant. And then when he throws her off, she's in rigor mortis, and her legs are just up there like it's like a fucking mannequin. But it's Parker Posey. Like it's like so great. And then it's like this whole thing is like so fucked already. Like he's literally on the other side of the bed, like screaming, crying. And then that's when his mother shows back up. But it's like. She's this fuck, like this poor guy at every moment. When you think it can't get any worse, it does. It does get worse. A lot worse. And like, it's in this moment that I'm thinking like, okay, it's only an amazing director that can pull you into something and make you forget the obvious. And then yeah. when the obvious comes back around, you're like, oh my God, how did I forget this? And this is why... Ari Aster should have been up for best director because he does mm -hmm. this multiple times in this movie. Like, preach it, Jace. Like, you know, I've I've seen Oppenheimer, I've seen uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Those are the two I've seen of best director, and uh, this movie does more than both of those in terms of an experience of watching a movie and being wow, like having an experience watching a movie. So yeah, like. I should really take Scorsese's seat in the director's nominees and give it to Ari Aster. I think he'd be fine with it. Honestly, he, uh, too. he would be fine. Yeah, you know, you know took, what? He does deserve it more than I do. Took inspiration. Uh -huh. If that's him, then he might be my best friend. But <laughs> I will never watch his movie. Still, anyways. But you're right. That's a great point. Like, just that that scene is incredible. And then, yeah, then we get the reveal that the mom is alive, and we get a whole sequence of like, this mother is the worst. Yes. And, and then like that's like it's like it's already so bad with everything she reveals. Right. And then yeah. like the therapist shows up and you're like, oh, this shit goes all the way to the top. This bitch has been involved in everything. That was literally what I screamed out the first time watching this. I was like, oh, shit. She's got everyone in the bag. I forgot about that fucker. <laughs> Like, he seemed actually nice at the beginning. And it was like, he seemed like he was kind of, you know, saying it's okay that you feel this way about your mom. It doesn't mean that you're going to, like, it's for sure, you know, it's just a feeling. It's okay to feel that and then not really want it. You yeah. Know? He seems like he's a good guy. And that was the thing. I'm just like, oh, 
fuck? <laughs> Everything I've seen is all not real. Like, I mean, I already knew it was exaggerated, but like, this just put a whole other spin on it, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. It blew right, my so mind. I was not expecting him to show up. I don't know why he was like the big crazy factor, but that was like the perfect person to walk through the door. Well, it's because we hadn't seen him for two hours. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking great filmmaking. I knew exactly who he was the minute he showed up. That motherfucker. And then so, he was just didn't say shit that whole time, too. He's just sitting there smiling at Bo. And I was like, you fucking dick. You're a terrible therapist. It's like, these guys are fucking. The therapist yeah. and the mom. Oh, God, you think? Yeah. Oh, she's but, probably fucking everyone or killing them, if not. So you're right. right. So speaking of fucking, um, what were your thoughts on the dick? Oh, the, the big, the giant the, dick. The dick father. Yes. He, he, go, he goes up. Well, also, he gets the, locked in the attic. <laughs> there's a great. I love the teasing of the uh, of the dreams, and then she's like, "No, idiot, these are memories." And then locks him up there. First time seeing it. What what were your thoughts? First and let's say second or whatever many times you've been seeing it. How has the 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 moment of the dick evolved for you? I love it now. I look forward to it and I laugh. <laughs> I think he's cute. I didn't notice, I think, because I was so shocked by what I was seeing because yeah. like he's up in the attic and then you're like, at first I was like, because, you know, the vision, he's always seeing his mom taking a boy up there. And so you're he's thinking like maybe I had a twin brother that was like the bold version of me and yeah. that he got taken and that's why I'm this way. But then you're like, oh, no, wait, it's just that Bo really did. And it was like that was what his mind's way of separating it, maybe. Well, no, he I don't did know, have but, a like, brother. Well, I can't tell if that's real or not because well, everything we, in his attic is up for questioning at we this see, point. We see the person and then sure. we see the dick. We see the old guy shackled, but like he's wearing the same outfit that, that he was wearing when he was a kid being taken up there. And it's like, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to accept that he maybe did have a twin that was up there. But then he pans to the growl and then the penis was talking. I never noticed the first like two times I watched this movie that the dick is like, my boy it's my boy and i was like did you not fucking... have subtitles on no i did but i was just so taken <laughs> aback by him turning the flashlight and there's a giant fucking dick with a face and nasty balls the biggest balls i've ever seen and like fucking arms like it's like a giant spider arms like it was fucked i was like what it just took everything in my mind like i was Cause... literally focused solely on the dick i didn't care about anything else that all went by me so i was just like i don't know what i'm seeing the more that I think about it, I feel like, I mean, obviously, unless we're taking it literally that his mom really had sex with that giant fucking penis that's <laughs> locked in the attic that talks. I like to imagine that it's mostly because it's like a visualization for him of like, that's basically what his dad has been reduced to in his yeah. because the mom, it, he could be anyone, but it doesn't matter at this point because his only contribution to the family was the sperm. So. Yeah it makes sense that like his only visual imagining of his real dad would be a giant penis. It makes yeah. sense. Cause that's all he is to him. So I'm assuming that's what that is. Unless the mom's like breeding those things. I don't know what she's up to. Maybe that's her jam. That's what she likes to fuck, but doesn't sound like she'll get to anymore. Cause that's when Jeeves comes in and fucks <laughs> yeah. that shit up. Yeah. Again, doesn't fucking blink when he comes breaks into the attic on the top floor of the house somehow. <laughs> Which I don't care about because there's a giant dick in there. So I'm not questioning anything yeah. at this point. <laughs> but like that whole scene, I'm like, I love that Jeeves just runs in and does it. But like, again, it's like they don't give you any time to really sit there and think about it because yeah. he starts screaming then and then he falls out and he's out. And then it's like, it's just such a surreal thing. I have to assume it's a metaphor, but like, mm -hmm. I can't 
That's the only way I see it. How do you interpret it? Or do you do you know? Do you have any idea? So the first time I watched Bo's Afraid, and I don't even know what I texted to you, but I'm pretty sure when I watched it, I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna have to come back to this. I don't, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I think weird one. I, I think it, it, it turned me off a little bit because it's like this is so like I was so invested in the weirdness of like the mom faking her death and like it's it's very much like i was interpreting this whole thing with the mom and her monologues and she is wonderful she is so good at this like i was interpreting that as like this is an example of how you know there's generational wealth there's also generational trauma like Mm -hmm. she talked about her mom trump you know ignoring her and then she passed that on then it was well, like she went the opposite where I'm going to smother you with love, but yeah. in the most aggressive, evil way possible. So it's still not like the nice form of love that she thought. But again, she had PTSD. She didn't know what that was. So yeah. it's like she did her best job, but it was like she still ended up where she is. I guess I just feel like the penis has to. It's all that's the only thing that they have about the dad. Even that weird picture of him that's like blurry and he's hanging something. That could be anybody. Yeah. So like. <laughs> yeah like the mom is is yeah it seems like an example of like our parents like we're millennials like our parents didn't grow up in environments where people cared about mental health and stuff like that and so now it's like it's all that so yeah then when i saw the dad and then when i watched it the second time like i i i interpreted it similar to you as like we literally don't know anything about the father other than he busted a nut and to, that's it, to, and to give birth and then that's all we learned so it's like yeah. whether he's actually there he's chained up as a human being or he's but dead that, or he's just yeah, like somewhere whatever. else it doesn't matter i was like that was that was the point in the movie where i had to remind myself this movie's insane and yeah. nothing should be taken seriously but that and is like actually there's layers to the fucking giant it, dick i'm telling you Ari a Aster's ton of crazy. layers and, I mean, not even just fucking physically speaking, but like literally there's a lot of things that like go back to like and I I think this will kind of wrap us all up at the end. I'll get to but like the yeah. Oedipus complex with the mom and sex. It's a very fucking like those two things go hand in hand. Not for everybody. I'm not saying nobody like, you know, but I guess with with it's a it's a common theme. And I feel like it's very Oedipus story, but told with bow and anxiety. But it is very much of like, I mean, think about it. The only time he's ever heard about sex is besides Parker Posey is his mom. His mom is telling him shit that he never should have heard. So it's like, you know, yeah, it's just generational trauma, I think. And it's just his visualization of like, this is literally like my dad might as well be a giant dick at this point. Like, I don't know who he is. And like, same with like the twin. I was thinking it was just the stronger version of him. And that like back in that sequence when his mom locked him up, maybe that was when like his boldness died and he became uh, the real anxious bow that he is interesting that was my I, thought after this most recent watch i did not think that the first time the first time i was like okay he's got a fucking twin up there but yeah. like now i'm like i wonder if that was it because it keeps going back to that flashback and where she's like saying it's a memory and that he had said it was a dream i have a twin brother but it's like i don't think it was literally his twin brother i think it was just like you know it's kind of like trauma will break your mind in certain ways and i do feel like he maybe imagined that he had a twin when really it was like another half of him dying yeah maybe maybe that yeah i never thought of it. this is why i love talking about this stuff maybe that other version that got locked up that's the same imagination he had in the play yeah. of what his life could have been yeah that's 
that's interesting. This movie's great. This movie's uh, incredible. There's a giant <laughs> dick, and we're talking about fucking like important shit. I'm surprised, but also I'm not because I will say I did not as crazy as Ari Aster's movies are. I really didn't expect the giant cock. And the first time I think it does take you out of it because you're like, oh, this doesn't belong here. This is yeah. weird. What the fuck? But then I find the more I rewatch it, the more it really sinks in. I mean, a yeah. lot of stuff in this movie does, but the penis weirdly and not to be, you know, that's what she said, but it did sink in a bit more the longer <laughs> I watched it. It went Ayo. balls deep is what you're trying to say. Yeah, okay. it's okay. As long as it's, you know, you just got to like do it a couple times, breathe through <laughs> it, you'll be fine. Just get back up on that fucker. All right, so let's get to the final scene. So, um, yeah, he seizes his father's dick or dick of a father, whatever it means. And most men, most dads are dicks, right? They're always the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Until uh, it's the mom. And then the mom <laughs> is the problem again. And yep. uh, he tries to strangle her, which I'm pretty sure we can all say comfortably if you're not, you're lying. We've had a moment where, like, I want to strangle my mother um i actually killed my mother yes yes (laughs) i know um but you know what i mean it's like everybody's had that but it's funny because in that moment like normally in a movie you go don't kill your mom but in that one you're like oh fucking don't puss out bo just do it finish her (laughs) yeah you're literally yelling at him like it's fucking mortal Kombat. and then it's like literally he just the greatest thing is he really goes into that other like strong bow i think this is maybe that why i sparked that idea is because his eyes change and he gets like so bold and different but then he like can't follow through and is ultimately doomed again because he cannot fully do things he's scared right that's why the movie's called Bo is afraid yeah (laughs) but yeah so then he gets on a boat and he drives he he goes out his mommy's out i'm on the lake i'm gonna be perfectly happy and then he gets put in the middle of a stadium arena in an ending that i was confused at first and at the end i was like this is incredible this Genius. was such an unbelievable ending and i did not see it coming so i agree walk us through it or do you want me to well, i was going to ask you like so i mean like ultimately this this scene is is we have the lawyer back he's actually in person not just over the phone he is essentially Playing back every decision that Bo has made throughout the movie. It's the most literal version of anxiety that I've ever seen, like a depiction of it, because it's like literally like what you do in your own brain is go through all those moments of your life that were bad moments and you replay them all the time. And it's like the same fucking like it's almost like surveillance footage that you're imagining. And like, that's literally what it is. It's all the stuff going back to when he was a kid. So you're like. So this isn't something that the mom started when he moved out. You know, like this is something she's been doing since he was born because there's all this footage of him. If it's real, obviously, this is like could be in his head. It's like the ultimate guilt trip, right? Being put on trial for everything in your life on camera with this huge audience. That's like fucking from like I was like, is this a fucking Super Bowl? Where'd you get all these people? (laughs) That's again why I was like, this is a fucking cult. (laughs) <laughs> that's interesting so i hadn't thought of it like that of like this is a again like a, me- a metaphor of what it's like to have anxiety of like mm-hmm. reliving everything you've ever done being on so, trial basically for every mistake you've ever made that's what it is like every day in your own okay. mind so it'd be like uh, the worst nightmare is if because you say you do this to yourself but you think it's because everyone else already knows that and they think that but it's because yeah. you're just neurotic you're in your own head so you're thinking that everyone else can see all this shit and would be as unfair and dramatic as you are to yourself. That's what I'm imagining. So it felt like this would be like 
you know how people would say they had that anxiety dream of being naked in high school? I feel like this is like, that was like, you know, that's definitely one, but I feel like this is like the ultimate anxiety dream. Sorry, nightmare is like, I had that, like, I'm literally on like fucking trial for everything in my life that's been pre-recorded. And there's a lawyer who's arguing against me and my little lawyer He's like at the end and he's like the free guy and he's just yelling things and then they kill him. You know, I love that unfair quality in the thing. Yeah. It just really added into that. This felt like a very much a nightmare. So you could interpret it that it wasn't really real. And it's just like his mind. However, or, you know, maybe he's just fucked up because that's like, you know, he killed his mom. So it's like he's like this is maybe his guilt living on. I mean, that's what happened to Norman Bates. He yeah. killed and dressed up as his mom and had conversations with himself as his mom after he killed her. So like it does feel like once you'd think that once your mom's out of your life, if she's this crazy that she might you might be okay. But it's like, no, like she's gonna be with you forever, I think, at this point. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I'm curious. Did you ever did you think it was like 100 percent real or how'd you take it? I know you said you didn't know the first time, but well, you talking about it, that's super interesting to me. Because I hadn't really thought of it like that before. I mean, like most of this movie, I don't look through the 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 lens of like, is this real or like, is there an overarching sort of thing? Like, so like I never have thought about like, did the mom orchestrate all of this? Mm. I just I never thought of it because I didn't really feel like that was the point of the movie. It's, it's like there's things like that's the thing. I feel like there's a kind, kind of conflicting evidence that tells you a lot of different stuff. So you can interpret it different ways. That's yeah. what art is. <laughs> um. So like the the way that like I interpreted the final scene and I really loved it because it felt to me like a battle of of the real world versus the conscious of someone with anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, so like you have the lawyer, you know, Richard Kind just being a boss and just being just berating an the shit out of him. Just, and then you have, yeah, like you said, like you have the guy who's like in defense, just yelling without a microphone. No microphone. Like he's like, hey, he was sorry. He's yeah. pressured. And then they just throw him off the edge and kill him. It's like so <laughs> yeah. good. And like, so like that's how I was kind of understanding that final scene is like, here's how the world interprets the actions of someone with anxiety versus what so what's going through that person's head as they're dealing with this. Cause like, I feel like the point of this movie is like anxiety is not just like a, a thing that you experience once it's a thing that you have to, you it's have like to experience in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, it'll and, always be with you. It's kind of that thing that I was saying, like if you think you can, have this other life and have made different choices and not have anxiety like that's not going to happen you'll be very unhappy yeah like, it's like oh like no matter what he does he's fucked you know yeah. he's still got the anxiety he never learned how to deal with it yeah it's like most things would be easy like if this was if anxiety was a choice it would be a lot easier to just not choose an anxiety but i it's would not, not choose a... <laughs> anxiety every day all day i hate that i have anxiety it never goes away and it's like, but the thing is, like, there's definitely a fine line where, like, like especially with, like, I'll give you a cool new drug at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like these doctors are like, just try this, put me on this. And it's like, yeah. there's a there's a point to not being numb. I agree. Yeah. It's more about, like, li living with the struggle of anxiety, but learning to manage it and getting medicine is fine. But it's like, yeah. you still need to do a little bit of work on your end. But it's like, I hate when people just think it's like a fake thing that we invented. Yeah. And that's how most people treat it, honestly. So, like. 
That's why I was like, this movie should be showed in fucking schools and shit. Like people need to know. Maybe cut yeah. the dick part out, but like <laughs> other than that, I think you're okay. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredibly insightful movie. And then like it like it ends with the boat flipping abruptly when that boat flips and he dies it's at like the really end. Really intense because he it's knows like, his feet are stuck, but he's like, it it still comes out of nowhere. Like, yeah, it's like really rough. Yeah, and it was like the way that I understood that scene was like this is essentially society leaving Bo to his anxiety to drown in his own anxiety and devices. His mom rather, too, but it's yeah. Like, I, and at that point, it's like I don't, I don't view the mom or the lawyer or the people in the stands. I don't view any of that as real. I like view it's all that, part of his imagination and he just uh, died out there like maybe thinking I, it was this thing but it's really just he's guilty now that his mom's finally gone and maybe yeah I, I don't know I don't even really think of it like that I just think of like this is a this is I that whole thing is just a message that Ari Aster is trying to display this whole movie is just crazy things happening so it's like the moment maybe at this point I just got into the into the realm of like, if I try to justify anything that happens in this movie as real, I'm going to just fight against this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's mm -hmm. like, this movie is, is a message. It's, it's something that he's trying to say about this thing. And in order for us to embrace that, we just have to embrace kind of the chaos of that thing. Yeah, like anxiety is chaos, but there's a way to like still live within the chaos and manage it and make it more manageable on a daily basis. But like Bo is basically doomed from the beginning because he never had the building blocks to even do this for himself. But it's like, you know, he kind of is starting to finally break free at the end of this mm -hmm. movie. But it's like that's also I mean, he's doomed from the start. This is like actually perfect. So I was wanting to wrap up with like comparison because i looked it up before because i i'm do you know who oedipus is from like greek tragedies and like original like I was the old a stories i was a terrible student so i know the name i don't know the story so educate me please okay well the oedipus <laughs> complex is something i always remembered and it was just because i know that people referred to it as like having this weird complex about your mother where it's like you're you know the son and mom are too close it's very much of like i'm your mom is your everything so now i'm like in love with her it's weird yeah yeah so yeah. the story of Oedipus is like this old Greek tragedy. And he's like, so he's born to this uh, king and queen. And when he's born, the, he's these uh, witches, you know, Greece, they give him, <laughs> there's like a prophecy that they state, which is that um, at, I think the, the whole thing is that he's going to kill his father and then fuck his mother. And then that will be the destruction of the city. So in mm. order to avoid their fate, everything that they do ends up be like making it true that he does do that. So it's like they like the king and queen, the king gives the baby to some shepherd guy and tells him, take him out and like go kill him or like leave him out in the mountains to die. But then the shepherd takes pity on him and hands him off to someone else who will like take him to another kingdom. And then he's raised there by some other king and queen, like lucky fucking thing. He went straight to royalty again. However, they hear about the prophecy there and because he doesn't know that he's adopted and that these are not his real parents, he leaves the kingdom when he hears of this prophecy because he doesn't want to kill his own father and marry his mother. However, when he goes, he, he ends up in the place where he came from and he has a fight with this old man um, in a quarrel on the road who's like drunk and that's like the king. And then he ends up 
like winning favor in the town and he gets married to his mother and they have a bunch of kids. And then years later, <laughs> he is like, I think he 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 fights or has to do a riddle for a sphinx or some crazy shit that they always have <laughs> at the end of these things. Um, and that is when he finds out that like the man that he killed was the, the king that like was missing for his whole life when he showed up at this place. So like he killed the king on the way to the kingdom and then married his mom. So that was his dad that he killed and then married his mom and had a bunch of kids. And then his Jeez. mom kills herself when she finds this out. And then he takes her dress pin and stabs his eyes out. And that is the end of the story. So I was like, <laughs> it does feel extremely close to this. Would you agree? There, There's some similarities. No hairpins. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a little, it's obviously different. <laughs> like, you don't, I mean, you don't feel like the mother-son yeah, relationship yeah. in a different way is disturbing in that story. Um, because, like, he ends up falling back in love with his mother all these years later. It's so weird. But in the way of, like, he's doomed from the start, and they know that, and then it's like anything that they try to do to get out of that fate, it like pushes you right back in. And I don't know if it's necessarily like Ari Aster talking about fate. I think it more is about anxiety and stuff. And yeah. then also the fam the relationship of things with people and how, you know, it's maybe not always going to like you can't escape your fate, but you can learn to live with things and like make it. I don't know. Or just I don't know exactly. But that's just what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, and then also it's like it's it's the relationship with the mom of like how much does it take for for Bo to realize this is fucked yeah like how much happens before he tries to before he tries to strangle her to death yeah like I can't like, believe it took him this fucking long yeah. is basically what, you, what you're what like what are you doing dude at this point <laughs> killed you've your learned, mom a long time ago <laughs> you've learned that she's just faked everything in your life and guilt tripped you through literally everything and so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean he's literally just been like it's like from the beginning of the movie to the ending he's literally just he's not in charge of his own destiny is the thing that, that yeah. reminded me of like a greek tragedy where you're doomed yeah. by fate but it's like he's doomed also i think because of his mom but also in life and that this is like a common cert like like relationship with the guilt tripping mom and the son and trying to like step out and be your own person. You know, that this is common things that people deal with, not to this extreme, but I just yeah. feel like it's interesting that it does feel like he's just been like a watcher over his whole life. He never mm -hmm. took a stand to do anything. And then he does try to, but it's like too little too late. You know, this guy, yeah. he obviously wasn't set up from the beginning with any, you know, Oh, he's going to be great. But like, <laughs> You know, you feel bad because he did try there at the end, but just couldn't muster the strength to really do anything. It was yeah. way too late. Yeah, and you and you can't do it on your own. Exactly. So And I plus mean, if your mom owns the world, what is the point in even fucking fighting the system? When he's like, I don't want to die, I was like, I don't know. If this is the real world, I wanna die. <laughs> I would wanna die. I don't want to live like that. <laughs> So moral of the story, if you know someone with anxiety, check on them. See how they're doing. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's all take a deep breath. Anxiety ride is over. Well, for we some it. of you. <laughs> no, that's, that's I'll still be true. riding this train for the rest of my days. <laughs> I clearly missed the point of Bo is Afraid. So, yeah, literally, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you just forgot it all but that's okay jace you know what i'm here to remind you <laughs> ah well that was very very fun i hope you all had as much fun as we did um 
So we are going to take a little break for ourselves. We've been uh, going pretty much every week for a while now. And, you know, we're going to take a little break, a couple weeks. I don't know for sure when we're coming back, but it's either going to be the last week of February or the first week of March. Yeah. Sometime soon you will see us again. We are just going to take a fucking rest because you know what i think and maybe you should too honestly we could all use it this time of year this year already feels like it's been so long and it's only february so yeah i don't know what that tells me about the rest of the year but i don't like it (laughs) I, i feel like this is the way like every year starts you know it's like the new year hits then it's just kind of meh until you get to the Oscars. And then everyone starts releasing their movies to streaming and everything yes, after the Oscars. Thank you. I'm so bothered. I've been trying to watch these movies and I'm like, I'm not going to the theater. I don't have the fucking time. Anyways, but we will be back eventually in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but what we do know is that when we come back, we are going to be talking about A Star is Born because... Um, I watched Maestro and I was not a big fan of it. And so I'm like, I need to watch A Star is Born because I'm very late to the party on it. And it was really good. And maybe Maestro just set the bar very low. But we're going to be talking about that. Yes. (laughs) I know you love that movie. I do. It's got my favorite, my uh, mother monster, Lady Gaga. And uh, then, you know, Bradley Cooper. I feel like that was just a great first directorial debut and then sounds like he fucked it up with maestro but hey still nominated for the oscar so i guess maybe it worked (laughs) whatever but uh take care get some rest and we will see you in a couple weeks on the regular exclusive podcast don't forget to like and subscribe we out here